1: Hello everybody and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. It's just after 8 o'clock in the UK, Series 10, Episode 8. It's the 25th of February. I'm John Hindorff, uh, up in central England and uh, up in London is our executive producer, Tim Greer. Good evening, Tim.
2: Good evening, John.
1: Tim, you are looking you look very well. You're looking a bit brown tonight. Thank you. Where have you been?
2: Well, that's for me to know and you to guess. Ah. Uh, as we play, Where's Nick Bean?
1: Except it's Where's it's, Tim, where's Tim Bean?
2: Bean. So, clue number one. Yep. The Cabana Boys looked nothing like Johnny Palmer.
1: Mm. Okay. Think you know. At your Entertainment or Art Radio Le Mans, And we'll have some more clues for you as we run through a packed programme tonight, which will include what, Tim? Well,
2: I've just realised that um, at the start of uh, this show... Um, our new uh, man, Mark, um, actually does tell us everything that's in the show uh, yeah. So news, features, special guests, um, sports cars, Formula One, bikes, rallying, NASCAR mm-hmm. um, And other stuff And other stuff,
1: yes And if it's got wheels, and an engine
2: and yeah, well, it's
0: just
1: an addition now, <clears> and they keep score shall, uh, shall we crack on with a bit of news then?
2: Uh, we can do. Uh, do you want to introduce the Man City next to you first?
1: On my right, Nick Damon.
3: Good evening, John. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, everyone.
1: Nick is doing his impression of everybody's favourite history professor yes. at the moment. 1941. Facial hair and... Um,
2: has a, he got a tweed a, a, jacket with arm patches?
1: That no, he, he's got
3: a fleecy sort no, of hoodie I, thing on. I can't stretch that yet. I, know that I'm, I'm, I need much more investment in my clothing to have a tweed jacket. I do, I do, do We quite like a tweed jacket, if I'm honest.
2: You are a little bit, uh, I'd say, maybe ten years too young to pull it off.
3: Do you know what? That's so sweet, Tim. That's the
1: loveliest thing you've ever said, genuinely.
2: Because you have to be well over sixty to be a history teacher. All right, calm
1: down. Mm. Uh, hello to Alexander Orkin who's tweeted at Specky and fish and chips from my mum this evening he says listening while digging the garden says Kedra Murray A race cars in spring they kind of go together it's spring where you are Kedra? you're doing well hello to Cher Adam reminding everyone that Midweek Motorsport sport is turning uh, d- uh, starting now uh, Sean <laughs> Hines hello to you and right turn lover and Sam Pierce. Uh, asking whether tonight's show will start with the 10-minute in-depth news in Spanish like the Belgian rally and did on Saturday. Did you like Martin and I speaking in Spanish? Uh, if you do not want to tweet, then go to radiolamont.com, head for the forum and the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective. Hello to Stu G and to Turbo Womble, who's back with us again tonight, listening live again. Turbo, good to have your company again this evening. As uh, Tim is about to shuffle the papers and get us cracking with some news.
0: Lo decías en Español. Olé. Por Midweek Motorsport.
1: Yeah, still like the... Buon arrestente. Buon uh, So we are starting with some news in Spanish then.
2: As promised. Mm-hmm. El piloto español de la escuderia McLaren Fernando Alonso fue trasladado al hospital tras sufrir un apatros so Accidente El Domingo and El Cerquito de Montmeo Cerca de Barcelona donde Esteban participando de las Jornadas de Prébas to the Formula 1
3: Did well, you get that? Yeah, and basically it's uh my, my, my Spanish has improved Yeah uh, Fernando Alonso um, had to go to hospital with a bad case of the wind
1: Yes and uh, I uh, it and I I think it's all about him growing his beard as well.
3: Well, I think what's happened is, and I found this from my own beard growth, and I'm not sure you're having a go as well at the moment, John. I'm not sure whether it's a attempt to grow a beard and just haven't shaved for 25 minutes. <laughs> um, but uh, you do have different. There's, there's different aerodynamics once you've got a beard. You yeah. know, you've got you, you. You find yourself a. You find yourself stroking it contemplatively
1: a lot, but more yes. importantly,
3: it, it keeps your chin warmer. But of course, in a gust, it'll share your head across.
1: Yes, uh, like a panda. Exactly, Alpandro. As uh, you ah. heard there. Uh... Oh. Pandas yeah. are very, very uh, wind gust susceptible. As is bamboo. Yeah. Especially old bamboo. Um, and number 54. <laughs> uh, moving on with this story.
2: El Asturiano perdió el control de su monoplaza en la curva 3 del circuito e impactó una pared informaron oficiales del circuito yes. de Cataluña. Los comisarios estuvieron más de una hora reparando los defectos que generó el accidente.
3: Well, interesting. It's that, interesting. Isn't well, it's combined it? a, a couple of other news stories. They mentioned the last Veyron being sold. Yes, and of course, it's also at the anniversary of the last Spanish attempted coup with General Accidente in charge of it, um, which which failed really quite badly. So they've obviously decided to roll in the fact that Fernando's had this wind incident with some 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 local current affairs. So it's, it's obviously, this is moving on to something. Perhaps you know, this this must be the running order for the Spanish version of the One Show. Uh, do you think so? <laughs>
1: is, was that that coup with General Accidente was? Yeah. What, what, was the was there no insurance to, to say that that went on <laughs> properly? <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, OK. Moving on.
2: Al menos un testigo... Careful. <laughs> Careful. ...presencial. Mm-hmm. A punto a que Alonso de Salizo a velocidad reducida antes de chocar contra el muro y luego tardó en reaccionar a los estinulos del equipo médico que se desplazó al lugar del impacto.
3: Well, well,
1: well a yeah, Luger,
2: yeah, Luger, obviously,
1: is an old german pistol.
3: And you're dead water. off the impact, yes, that tends to happen. Yeah. I think what they're saying is that the, the cause of the accident was something to do with um, Fernando eating chocolate. Um, or perhaps he was watching chocolate. Now I think it's one of these That's things. A
1: very weird film.
3: Well, I think I don't, if you know that the the, the, the modern Land Rovers um, they have those sort of um, screens. Where if you're on the passenger seat you can watch the film, but if you're the driver, you just get sat nav. Oh yeah, I Jackie think it's the same. Yeah. And we've heard that possibly the cause of Fernando's accident may be an electrical malfunction. I think what's happened is that rather than having the circuit map on his his little dashboard, suddenly he got the chocolat, the, uh, the
4: uh, Juliette
3: Binoche movie, yeah, uh, or Juliette Brioche, as she should have been. <laughs> hey. um, and I think he was distracted by the interesting retelling of a uh, whimsical uh, French fancy, and that's why he crashed.
1: Uh, you mean his his attention here was deficit?
3: Deficit, and it, because
1: of the chocolat. Ah, okay. Well, that seems that seems reasonable. Uh, is that it then, Tim?
2: Yes, you might as well make that it.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are in
3: a good mood oh, tonight. Dear. So we're talking about Fernando Longo's accident, which didn't happen. Uh, the accident
2: And happened. caused by wind. It was caused by wind.
3: That's right. Mm. Now, can I just point out that, that Honda, historically, and I'm not saying... Uh, let's, let's talk about Honda historically, and that doesn't mean anything could happen today. But normally, after a Honda engine blew up in spectacular fi- problems, it was electrical. always a hydraulic issue.
2: Oh, an electrical so, issue.
3: They haven't got the greatest sort of reputation for actually coming clean with technical issues. But um, it's it, obviously it was, it was a serious knock because he was in hospital for three days. He's, he's, he's picked up a sideways impact. He's um, uh, picked up a nasty concussion. He's not driving in the next test, which starts tomorrow. it's got to Kevin Magnusson. Um, and Good job, there's...
1: they've got a decent uh, mm. test driver. Mm.
3: And there's worries that he might not be fit enough for the Australia, which is still three weeks away in eight, nine days. He should be okay, but it depends, because concussions are a funny thing. A
1: couple of things on this. Uh, the car didn't look overly badly damaged. Interestingly speaking to people who know of such things, including some racing drivers who've had crashes in Formula One, when cars don't look bad, that means that either it wasn't a big impact, or if it was a decent-sized impact that most of the impact's being transferred to the if driver. You, if
3: you go side on, um so the this wheels is side on the wheels actually hit a, a nice degree angle, the car's very solid. Yeah. You know, unless you, you your first thing that's gonna give way is if something punches through the it's it's not gonna happen. It's gonna <laughs> literally come to a dead stop in the side. We know the whole point of the wheels and the, and the uh, suspension coming off is actually to absorb the power of the accident. Yes. That's it, it's good. It's good side when that comes off.
1: So the fact that nothing came off actually means it's had a really hard sideways knock. The other side of this is that concussion in all sport at the moment is a massive buzzword, isn't it? Hmm. And there's no reason to think that Formula One would be any I think less vigilant.
3: Yeah, I think I think it's come from the realisation of what's going on in American football and to a lesser extent rugby is, is ridiculous because as people who got fitter um, they are taking bigger hits and they're getting uh, multiple minor concussions which as we all know it's a cumulative thing it can have some very serious neurologic, neurological issues in the future and that's the reason because Dario Franchitti isn't driving anymore because he'd had one too many knocks he's absolutely fine we believe now after a good 18 months to get mm. himself back, back normal again um, but the point was, one more, and it could be really serious. So, you know, we, we we are having more neurological knowledge. Of course, we've had two major head injuries in motorsport in the last 14 months. Um, hopefully, they were just being particularly um, careful with Fernando. My, 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 I expect that he was probably, they gave him an MRI scan said, how are you feeling? He went, I've still got a headache, I've still got blurred vision, I've still got something else. And they're sitting there going, okay, you know, you're staying here and we're going to MRI you every day until we're happy. But the question is whether he's, absolutely fine in seven days' time, or he still has issues which can, can rumble on for months. It's not been a great start to testing
1: for Honda McLaren. McLaren-Honda, should I say. I
3: think, I think what we have to do is cast our minds back to this time last year and the terrible problems that Red Bull and everyone else, apart from Mercedes, were having getting these new engines working. Um, they were stymied mostly in this test by a, um, a, a, a seal for the MG UK system. Oddly, they said that McLaren again... A seal, yes. It was, was it a, not a Walrus? No, it wasn't. It was a, it was a little rubber seal. Well, sealing, I say rubber, it probably isn't. It's probably unobtainium. Um, and uh, which was, uh, which apparently now McLaren are going to build for them, which seems rather odd. But then McLaren have got quite a lot of experience, three partners, of KERS um, systems. So uh, they are trying to get the thing working so they can actually get some, some meaningful mileage in the car um, next week. Obviously, oh, starting from tomorrow, because they haven't actually run at full speed. So they actually have no idea the car's any good or not.
2: Who else uh, had a problem with the wind?
1: Less than ten miles an hour. Apparently, the wind was. Who else? I, I don't, don't know. Dusting,
3: that I, I don't know who uh, else had a specific problem. It, 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 Which other it Spanish
2: a... Formula One driver had a problem with the wind? Uh, I'm
3: trying to think. Who's the other Spanish Formula One driver it... I'm, I'm drawing a blank. You to Which Spanish
2: Toro Rosso driver had a problem with the oh, wind?
3: Was it Carlos Sainz Jr.? Sorry, I've Carl. got... I've... Do you know? What? <laughs> I completely forgot he was Spanish. <laughs> is that weird or a Formula oh, One, one driver? If you turned around to me without me thinking about two seconds ago and said, is, "Where did Carlos Sainz Junior come from?" I would have rather stupidly said Brazil. But let's leave that out because my mind went completely blank. Yes, he did. He 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 had a couple of offs, didn't he? Whereas uh, um, uh Verstappen, uh, Max Verstappen uh, ran faultlessly, unlike the Sauber, which was a bit kind of unreliable.
2: Mm. Uh, what's the FIA doing about the wind?
3: Uh, they're going to analyse the accident and see how windy it really was and have a look at the pictures and work out why um, uh, a racing driver three days in hospital after just, uh, as John says, in a car which McLaren were going to repair
1: in an hour. Looked like it could have been mm. back out again.
3: They, the car was fine about it, but then he just stopped, going, mm, perhaps not. Um,
1: Maybe Nick he just Holland. likes hospital food. Nick, mm. nobody well, sure likes that. hospital food. No,
3: I think the hospital room he was in was probably very nice food. Uh,
1: Nick Holland, among many uh, who have tweeted, I'd your team, and saying, unaware of concussed driver or rugby player that has needed three days in hospital. How long was Mark Weber in hospital after Interlagos? Well, he had broken ribs and uh, bruised <laughs> internal organs, and yes. he was flying home the next day. Um, I, I would suggest that Alonso in Spain... In Barcelona. ...was... Th- that they really didn't want to take any chances I th- I here. think
3: I'm sure he was uh, given the best possible care.
1: And I think it would be wrong for us to sit here and criticise people... No,
3: ...being not. overly cautious. It's fine. I mean, I, you know... I I, did, I I think you know, my my guess is that he was probably reporting symptoms, which which would be fine to be, um, po- yeah, you know, released with with monitoring in other extents. And they thought, well, what's the point? We may as well stay here, and uh, and get a
1: proper scan. Uh,
2: Lots also, of people... sorry, maybe he just doesn't comment? want to drive the car.
1: Oh, well, surprise me! Is he already ruining the decision?
3: <laughs> Do I don't know. Really. I mean, the new Ferrari obviously looks pretty good. I mean, yeah the, the one thing we learned from testing is that the Mercedes is still lethally fast, way quicker than anything else, mm. and they haven't even tried yet. Mm.
1: The um, the. Uh, Twitterage is going uh, well tonight at specutainment at RC Racing is that like the collective noun for it Twitterage is it a nest of twittering or something I probably, almost certainly <laughs> uh, a lot of people talking about Alonso and his wind and his beard his mm. mighty wind um I've just tweeted a picture of your mighty beard. It's getting guys, getting well, isn't it? No, i have started trimming it now. Mm-hmm, I can see that. Yeah, there's some trimmage going on. I'm, I'm, I'm. You're looking fairly Scandinavian at the moment. Do you think you've so? been watching 42, oh, You could get a job in. What 42. I need to get is
3: some nice rimless glasses, and then become, and then become a Scandinavian architect, and, and and I get a free Volvo.
1: Yeah, and all the flat pack furniture that you can, uh, that you is... can throw it in the back. Which is none. Or... I
3: don't like flat pack furniture. I spent many, uh, many an hour in my in my youth. Now, people, uh, build it for <laughs> myself or come ready assemble. I'm not interested in flat packing. Uh,
1: Alfred Wallace has just tweeted a picture of what looks to be the best beard ever, and of course, um, <laughs> look, I do. Have you seen this? It's Brian Blessed. Brian? Blessed. Is that is that what That's you're aiming just... for? I
3: can't grow that. I I have had a case of. I was in Covent Garden on Friday and I had a, another. There's a kind of a collection of proper hipsters there, and I had severe beard envy for a while. Um, I thought you were people...
2: going to say that someone mistook you for Brian Blessed.
1: Not <laughs> I wish <clears throat> Gordon's alive um, and a lot of people talking about Marino Frankitti and when he's going to be back in an LMP uh, seat uh, the man who won ring, of course last couple so that's of years that's a massive
2: uh, massively connected to what we're already talking about no, no, I'm just
1: going through what's happening on Twitterage I said there's a lot of people getting t- Twittering 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 lot wittering. of people seeing that they've just got back home and of course what they're eating tonight yes. it was uh, Chili Con carne. Uh, and garlic bread tonight
2: most half shoulder of lamb
1: oh nice very nice Um, on the Midweek Motorsport listeners collective the uh, the forum at www.radiolemon.com right turn lover says in a surprise development an F1 test driver actually tests a physically current F1 car and even for the team he's signed to test for
3: well interestingly of course he was told he wasn't going to do any testing this year
1: and that was? Um, Kevin
3: Magnussen, because yeah. um, he wasn't going to get to do the test, because the young person's tests were going to be done by Stoffel Van Dorm and the other bloke whose name I've forgotten. Um, and he wasn't turvy. Going to get, thank you very much. And he wasn't going to be allowed to do any, and uh, he was going to just do test, um, you know, simulated driving. And he just. We get paid a lot of money for it, so it's not too bad, as he waited a year for someone to get sulky.
1: EV uh, Geek says, can't blame the hospital for being cautious with Alonso. Can you imagine the trouble? ...that uh, would have happened if he'd been allowed back in the car... ...then had complications or further issues. Concussion has to be treated... ...sorry, concussion has been treated far too trivially... ...by sport authorities for many years... ...so it's reassuring to hear the motorsport community... ...being highly yeah. responsible. I don't yeah. disagree with that at all. I, I, I absolutely don't. And I, um, you, uh, There's no such thing as a standard concussion. Everybody reacts differently... Um, and indeed, Nicole Reto has just said, um, n- not fair by fans to compare one concussion to another in terms of recovery time. We still know very little about brain injuries. So there we go. That's We wish Fernando I hope, I, the I best. genuinely he,
3: hope he's, he's If not... you
1: listen carefully, you can hear his beard growing. Stop it. Can? Stop giving me beard envy. Mm. Uh, so moving on. Staying uh, with Formula
2: One, staying with Formula One, and staying with the test in Barcelona, and uh, mm-hmm. more evidence that uh, Max Verstappen is far too young to be a Formula One driver. He just can't uh, can't cut it as a driver. He's way off the pace, and he's making loads of mistakes. Except,
3: except he's not, and he isn't.
2: No, no,
3: no. He's driving round and round and round. Um, he's doing a very, very solid piece of work, but you know the test is let's be honest I don't think either Taki Inouye or Yuji Ide would crash into many people during test days that was Susie Stoddart and uh, sorry Susie Wolf and Felipe um, Nazir managed to do that but it's, it's more. It's different in the race
1: it's testing mm. just testing but it's not the race so you can do 100 and something
3: laps of um, Barstone in a day and not make any mistakes and be competitive you're a better man than I am my son well I can about three, uh, three, 2 laps for my neck collapse probably they're, who
2: who um, who did uh, make uh, mistakes? Uh, well, Susie uh, Wolf and
3: Felipe Nazir hit each other and then blamed they each other. Did not
2: yeah. Yes. Well, uh, one hit the other. They didn't hit each other. One hit the other.
3: But they wouldn't. They couldn't admit who was in fault. Obviously, no. though, it did appear that it was Mister Nazir rather than Ms. Wolf.
2: I'm sure that the FIA will seize that CCTV footage <laughs> as well.
3: Mm. Um, and Carl uh, Science had some problems yes. and uh, Sebastian Fettel fell off on his first lap yep did he yes yep. he said I was still asleep which is quite sweet mm.
2: and Nico Rosberg did he have a crash on his out lap
3: oh all right. I didn't didn't read that one what
1: Sorry, but on had, the all a big doozy after a, Christmas day. But don't
3: forget, we have Mercedes, Mercedes managed to have um, Lewis in the car. Then he was sick on the first day. And so they said, um, Nico, do you want to run him? He's not got a bit of a stiff neck. And so they had Pascal Verlein in the car, who just got out of the Force India, which he was testing for a bit of cashback. Um, and then um, Rosberg couldn't do a whole day. I think the second day or the third day, again, his neck was a bit stiff. Um, and then he announced his wife's pregnant. So I don't know if any linkage between those two things. But, you know.
1: Can we move on quickly, please? Staying with Formula One. One oh, was. a lovely, bit, of, bit
3: of lovely, lovely news there, you know. Lewis is on his own, but Nico's a little family.
1: Yeah.
2: A fun. couple of times uh, recently uh, on this show, uh, we've talked about the advances being made by Manor.
1: Yes. And Marucci. how, how they've
2: got uh, um, I think until they pay back some, all their debts, they should be still
1: be called Marussi.
2: And they've got an engine deal. Yes, and they've and paid th- their entry fee. And one thing that they hadn't... Thought, uh, announced, and which I thought might be a little bit of an oversight and something that they did need to do before they could go racing, is have a Formula 1 driver. But now With they the have one lights. of those as well.
3: I know they've got Will Stevens has signed up for them. Little Will um, yeah, I mean obviously. Has he signed a check? Or what? I'm sure he's been careful enough not to actually sign the actual check. I'm sure it's an escrow somewhere, based on actually turning up and doing something. But of course, the most interesting thing about that announcement—he was, of was course, not, a
2: test driver last season, wasn't and he see?
3: drove at the Abu Dhabi finale,
2: but not um, for them.
3: No, because they weren't there. But he drove for Patron, um, uh, so he's got, and he's therefore he's got a super license. But the interesting thing about it is that they suddenly turned around and said they're going to be at Melbourne with their car compri- um, conforming to the rules. Mm. So they've built a new nose, they have to build a new nose, they've got to crash test it, they've got to do a couple other bits and bobs, um, and then they're going to run around in a ropey old Ferrari engine with the car that's going to be hopelessly out of pace and the word 107% come to mind. Pleasure, but it pleasure. doesn't
2: have to be fast, it just has to be reliable because having a fast car isn't necessarily going to score them a point. Having a reliable car They're not going to get quite in the race. possibly will.
3: They won't get in the race, Tim. Of course they will. You no. Know? Have you not seen how much faster the cars are this year than last year? Yes, are three seconds a lap quicker.
2: They'll say that there are um, extenuating force circumstances, yeah. force majeure, and uh, the FIA will ask all the teams... Uh, and uh, no one's going to object, because... Uh,
1: except for India.
3: Well, you see, the thing is, there's only 10 teams, so everyone gets money. This year, hmm. there's no need to object to them, because there's only 10 teams, they're going to come last. They're so,
1: unobjectionable, are they?
3: Next year, when has turn up, you, you think, all oh, 11 teams, no, only 10 of us get money at the end of the year, so you go, hmm, perhaps not. But this year, no, we're all getting cash, doesn't matter. And in many ways, having a really, really bad team at the back takes the focus of the next worst team.
2: That's Which true. is Force India. Shh. <laughs> or possibly <laughs> McLaren, but probably Force is, India. I don't think it is Force sober. India,
3: because Force India have got a very good engine.
2: Yes, unfortunately the car is terrible.
3: We don't know, it doesn't run until Friday.
1: Mm. Mm. And that's because it's so good, that they've they decided not to run we it all because know it's why so the, good. They
3: decided not to run it, because they hadn't paid the bills. Until they paid the bills, they couldn't get the bits so this last week. Now they've got the bits, they've built it. It's quite... A to B to C, you'd think that would be normal business practice, just isn't it, lower, lower
0: league Formula 1? not think one? will be behind them?
2: I think that, certainly at the start of the season, a team that's done 12 days testing is likely to be ahead of a team that's only done four.
3: Tell you what, I'll, do you want to have a bet, Tim, about For Marble? a Rolex? No. Not for a
2: Rolex?
4: No,
3: not for a Rolex, because I don't want to give it back to Tim. Um, I, I, <laughs> or to I'll anyone. Take, I'll, give you a, uh, I'll give you a wager here and now <laughs> that Force India... Now you can choose, do you want out-qualify or finish higher in the Melbourne Grand Prix than Sauber? You're backing Sauber, I'm backing Force India. Which do you want, out-qualify or finish higher?
2: I'm not backing Sauber, I'm backing Force India.
3: No, you weren't. You Sorry, say you... no,
2: I am backing Sauber, that's right, yes, you're right. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm backing I... Force India. I, oh, I would nothing. suggest that um, the highest place Sauber will be ahead of the highest-placed Formula India in the race.
3: Right, Force India, I take that wager.
1: And what is the
3: forfeit? Well, someone's got to work it out on the the collective.
1: Right, let's have... It has to be something we can do and not ridiculous. Yeah, let's have some suggestions at Specgy or at Radio Le Monde. And uh, And you also
2: have to bear in mind that Nick and I only see each other once a year, and that's for the Christmas quiz.
3: (laughs) No, no. (laughs) No, 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 because hopefully I'm seeing you in the third week of March.
0: Yeah.
2: Yes, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) That's only going to be very brief. But at least we'll have something to film... uh, Whatever we're having to do,
1: we have a camera. Good point. Yes, excellent stuff. And uh, thanks to Nick, by the way, for his, uh, his uh, sterling efforts on getting the uh, hashtag IHG Racing video up on the front page of the uh, of the website. Thank you to that, and a lot of people have been enjoying that. Uh, there'll be more of those little uh, gems to come, and some more IHG content to talk about later on tonight as well. Any more Formula One news, uh, Tim? Um. Not
2: isn't really. No. Dan Hounsell. There okay. isn't for Formula One news. But it's very loosely Formula One. And, All right. Okay. Well, let's leave it, that to one it, side
1: because we've got a lot. I want to do a couple. I want to be very interactive tonight because we. Have, it looks like we've got a big audience, and also lots of people are um, are tweeting in. Miles Cook says the loser of the bet gets the second mana drive when the eventually get going. <laughs> I don't think
2: we can afford it.
1: Uh, <laughs> The beards that's feared, uh, Nick Damon. Um, Dan Housel says, Will we see a consideration of a rule change due to Miss Wolf's complaining about super licence requirements? No. What's this story then? Um,
3: Susie Wolf, after her, wrote um, a successful day trolling around in the Williams. She wasn't very quick, but you, again, you can't tell. She
1: could you be. You don't know what they were doing, yeah.
3: Uh, but she did a number of laps. She had a problem with Philippe Nazir hitter or vice versa. And then she came out with a. Th- She's obviously worked out the fact that if there is a problem for one of the two race drivers, she can't take part because she hasn't got a super licence. And has so no you can test element without
1: a super license. Yes, of course, you can.
3: How did you get a super license? How else did you use, did you used to get a super license?
1: Yeah, okay. You can say sure. yes, even you can.
2: now you still have to have the uh, testing to get the super license in addition so, to the other, other qualifications.
1: Testing, of course, so, yes. but
3: of course, Williams don't really care because they've got Alex Lynn who's qualified for a super license on the basis of winning GP3. Mm-hmm. Um So it's just Susie going, hang on, I haven't got a super license and I can't get one. And I'll never get one. Um, so I'm going to have to um, uh, lean on Mr. Force Majeure again, mm-hmm. okay. and of course you do realize if they asked the F.A. would fall over themselves, of course, because they'd love to have a, 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 female. A, a female racing driver, and there's no reason why she shouldn't be in it. But she does not qualify, and um, it is one of the anomalies. You know, there's a lot of people who are very, very good racing drivers in other series. You know, you can win DTM for seven years in a row and not be good enough to drive an F1.
1: The, Graham Goodwin says the loser of the bet has to uh, dye the beard purple and keep it for a month. But but what? Uh, Tim hasn't got a beard. Well, you have to. Only because
2: I shaved it off last week before I uh, went on my little trip.
1: The loser has to read the news in Australian. G'day. G'day. <laughs> oh God! No. Sorry, two seats, four wheels. Mm. Uh, that's going to be left to one side. Uh, whoever loses buys no, two tickets to Le Mans them. this year. <laughs> It's a bit specific, isn't it? Yes, that's Alexander Orkin. <laughs> uh, very good. Quite like that. Um, I'm sure it'll have to be something that we can um, Achieve. do and film. Achieved.
2: Yeah. Graham Goodwin, what's your uh, love for the colour purple?
1: Uh, well,
5: you're asking me directly here now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, no particular love. Just I think it would be a- a- actually very amusing indeed, or half a bit. Oh, half a beard Oh, half a beard. oh.
3: than half a romance
5: oh half a beard but the, the thing about those kind of forfeits and, and good evening everybody by the way um, is that uh, there has to be a, a challenging timescale applied to the forfeit and um, we're not talking a day or two we're talking a month <laughs> oh,
1: excellent, excellent stuff. How is uh, how is things down at GG HQ? It's a uh, shed. It's Graham Goodwin. <laughs> it's not a shed. shed. It's it's peachy. I
5: am gradually working my way through the mountain of Tim Tams I brought back from uh, from Bathurst. Oh, I, I'll um, I'll uh, help you with those. There you go, no problem. So uh, gradually working my way through with the help of Goodwin Junior. Uh, and she's a very active helper on that front. Yeah, so, uh, sure. I'm
2: sure I would be too.
5: Absolutely. But no, uh, but all is peachy. And, um, and just putting the final touches to uh, something we'll be talking about a little later. Uh, I know there's going to be a couple of significant pieces on the web, on DSC and on racer.com a little later this evening, um, which I'm sure uh, listeners will want to read.
1: Um, we've got you in at this point, at the end of Formula One. And before we move on to sports cars... Graham, because some sad news uh, this week, uh, that uh, Gerard Ducarouge has uh, passed. Nick's here as well. Um, We are old enough, Nick, and you're old enough Mm. too, to have seen the tweeted pictures this week of some very, very pretty Formula One cars. Well, I mean, you know,
3: my core love of f1 came from the late 70s and early 80s and, and the Ligier, the, the giton sponsored ligers were absolutely yes. key to that i mean i i'll be quite honest the the fantastic he worked work he did with matra i genuinely i feel very embarrassed i didn't know that he designed jackie stewart's first world championship winning car yep. until this morning yeah um i obviously knew about his work with uh, with matra and with uh, with lotus and his ability to pen a, a beautiful design and then also obviously get a winning car with a number of different manufacturers um you know, and it's, it's, it's telling you, the, 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 the reading the story, the strangest thing is, of course, he kind of like he, he stopped designing race cars when he was still relatively young, well, the early 50s, wasn't it, when he went into a bit of road car work. And, you know, he walked away from Ligier the second, time, I think, '93, so 21 years ago, and when he was 52. But his sports car work, I had no idea about either, and he's it, just remarkable.
1: Uh, Mario Andretti has just tweeted three minutes ago, clearly Mario listening to us tonight. Hello, Mario. With the passing of uh, Gerard Ducarouge, racing lost an innovative engineer whose progressive ideas contributed immensely to our sport. R.I.P. Ami. Absolutely
5: uh, right, John. I mean, you know, I agree with Nick. Oddly enough, in the days when uh, Formula One was a key part of, you know, the weekend entertainment in my house... Uh, it was liché. It was uh, it was jolly Jacques Lafitte. And uh, and actually, people forget, I think, nowadays that Gerard Ducarouge and that team really stole a march on the rest, uh, no Formula One pun intended, by the way, uh, on the rest of the grid with their early... Uh, adoption of uh, of ground effects and absolutely dominated the starts of that season and looked to be cruising towards a world championship, but lost the momentum while others overtook. And then you know again, um, you know they the designed the car that gave Ayrton and Senna his first race wins, his first Sager Grand Prix wins. You know, guy was an absolute legend, and let's not forget because you know I'm here to fly the flag for sports cars. Designed the simply gorgeous Matra M S six seventy that oh. took two consecutive wins.
1: And the sports car part of his career shouldn't be underestimated Graham because that was a time when sports cars were changing, and particularly the prototype end, the sharp end of the field in sports cars they were changing with, you know, absolute, almost week by week, it was a time of real uh, innovation to use Mario's words people were starting to get their heads around aerodynamics and, and Gerard Ducaruse's work in Formula One was, he was one of the first guys who sort of came across from Formula One and began to refine those aerodynamic concepts for cars that were going to go faster than anywhere else that a motor racing car would other than Indianapolis, that being at Le Mans.
5: Uh, yeah, and let's not forget either, he designed an Indy car too, it just didn't race, absolutely. it was Lotus's stillborn car, I delighted to yes. see Declan Brennan actually grabbing a picture and popping on the uh, Midweek Motorsport listeners collective of that absolutely gorgeous Lotus IndyCar, car stillborn Lotus IndyCar. but you know he was a designer with race winning form and not necessarily in the fashionable teams and that's no, those you know maybe a little less difficult back in the day than it is nowadays but don't underestimate the fact that you know, at DJ at the time was not necessarily the thing to have. A Lotus most certainly wasn't the thing to have at that stage. And there's a man who's genius, and let's let's call it what it was, genius, um, put those teams back where they belonged. The other one I'd like listeners not to forget that De was behind, as your De was behind, is the totally and utterly bonkers Renault Bass F1. One of my all-time <laughs> favourite things with four wheels. And Gérard Decarouge was the man who headed up the design team with that vehicle. Um, very sad. Gone way too early and uh, fondly remembered for all of those results.
1: Yeah, and a number of people tweeting in to Your team and Nat Radio Le with their uh, remembrances and, and quite clearly have uh, a similar timescale of remembrance to... to us three here. Michael Lyons, hello Michael, good to know you're listening in tonight uh, seeing we had the Matra in our workshop five years ago with its original oh. DFV engine, I'm very very envious. Matt Fernandes uh, Beltoise and Duke Eruge in less than a month, hope the series uh, of uh, passings will stop here uh, for a wee while such legends. Nick Holland, the Matra bought then current 20th century aerospace technology to Le Mans 24 for the benefit of France and for motor racing. Absolutely was, right, all of those John, things. John,
5: I mean, I mean, well, what's been lost in the ether here uh, about Gerard de um, uh, career is that he started with Matra designing missiles. Yes. That's what he started to do because, of course, the aerospace business for Matra was absolutely the core. But, uh, you know, it, it's it, it is another one of those names, you know, that the sport is the poorer for the loss of.
1: No, I agree um, just a couple of other things coming through before we leave F1 altogether and uh, do some sports car news uh, with Graham uh, this from Stu G, uh, Nick quick question on the super licence thing since the restrictions are coming in for 2016 does this mean anyone who makes a start this season will effectively be grandfathered in and allowed to race regardless yes. next year yes so, if you get a drive this year, the 40 I think point you thing. You've th- got three years. You've isn't got it? three years yeah. to rec. Okay, there you go, Stu. I knew he would ask. Uh, Nick, stay with us. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Just coming up to 25 minutes to 9 o'clock in the UK. It's Series 10, Episode 8, the 25th of. February uh, sports car news uh, big stories this week and we'll get onto that in a little while but let's mop up some of the uh, the other stories that are coming through from Graham Goodwin before we start talking uh, about the big talking point of the week uh, and Graham, let's let's do some uh, let's do some British news for a little while the uh, the interest in British GT continues to grow
5: it does indeed. I was at a, a quite fabulous uh, media event. And same say media event, I was the only media there because it's a secure location. And that was, at, of all places, the Temple Mills Eurostar Depot. And why? Well, because Tom Ferrier's TF Sports uh, team, uh, thanks to uh, Andrew Jarman and his backers, um, is going to be sporting... Eurostar livery on one of their two GT3 Aston Martins, and we uh, we saw the launch of that car uh, in front of the simply fabulous new Eurostar train, uh, with an interior designed, by the way, by Pininfarina. Um, really? Uh, no, absolutely. It's gorgeous. And,
1: um, uh, and, and you, being got... a train man, didn't like that at all. Did I, you? I not was just
2: about to say, we ought to warn listeners that uh, Graham Goodwin's quite passionate about trains.
5: Well, should say that the last time I was at that location was a long time ago and laying a foundation stone with my then boss. Uh, and it was uh, good to see it being all being put to good use. But um, I did give uh, the Eurostar guys a little bit of a caning for the fact that uh, I'm not going to be going to Paul Rickard on Eurostar. Why? Because they don't have Wi-Fi on the trains yet. But they're going to have with the uh, with the new, the new train, direct so. services later this year. But um, why have we got Eurostar branding on the train? It's actually nothing to do with going buy a Eurostar ticket. It's all to do with motorsport apprentices and to do with the uh, the company for which Andrew Jarman works. Uh, Having a number of clients but looking for more that puts, um, you know, uh, apprentice uh, schemes together for major uh, operations. They, for instance, put a very large number of apprentices every year into Red Bull. And uh, Eurostar happens to be uh, on the company's roster as well. So it's a meeting of minds, it will be a kind of business link. Uh, sort of um, arrangement for TF Sports and for Eurostar, and good luck to them. It's a fa- it's a very very handsome looking car, and looking to have a very good season ahead of us for British GT.
1: Um, so a number of Nissan announcements this week, and oddly for a change, nothing to do uh, with the GT RLM. Uh, more about GT three racing, Graham.
5: Yeah, I think Darren Cox's birthday today, isn't it? He's it is. not it he has got his feet up tonight, so uh, happy birthday, DC. Hi, DC. But, uh, but no, this, the, the, uh, the flurry of announcements we've seen are principally to do with not just some of the national uh, parts of the, uh, the Nissan Empire in Germany and in North America, but also some very hard work by those good people at JRM Group who actually build mm. – uh, the European and North American um, versions of the of the GT3 Nissan GTR. And uh, what have we got? Well, I think actually it's now three announcements this week yeah. um, for new programs. The first of which is two car efforts for uh, the Pirelli World Challenge. Uh, this is the the effort that initially looked to be going in the, the direction of Andretti, uh, but actually now has gone to Always Evolving Racing. Eric Davis, and AIM, a team I'm sure you'll be familiar with, John, will be running that effort. The other two efforts uh, are both for the MRS Molitor, German-based uh, team, and that's going to be a two-car effort in the ADAC GT Masters Championship for full 2015 spec cars, these, by the way, um, and uh, just announced this evening uh, a full pro car, not just for the Blanc-Pan Endurance Series, but for the combined Blanc-Pan GT series, so this sprint and endurance series combined. Single car, three drivers, two names so far, one of whom is JRM's factory driver, one well, Mr. Craig Dolby, and the other one, I know a man that uh, you guys have been following on Midweek Motorsport for some time, Sean Walkinshaw, in his first yeah. full season of GT racing. So good news, good work being, uh, being done there by the guys down in Daventry, and uh, I think we, we potentially might just be seeing uh, an SM program breaking through this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And the ADAC GT Masters is a very, very interesting series actually uh, this year uh, with that uh, Nissan. We'll be interested to see how how that goes uh, along with their blank blank pan running as well. The MRS GT guys looking busy there as Graham mentioned. Uh, Nick Tandy's got a drive.
5: Oh, yeah, that Nick Tandy. He's got more than one drive. For my uh, memory, I think it's three now. He's got a full season of GT racing. Greedy, I call it. Um, He's doing Spa and Le Mans for the factory Porsche LMP1 squad. And he's now going to do six races in the WEC for KCMG in an Orica LMP2 car. So... Um, very much it's got kind of very very much echoes of uh, the man we were talking to last week hasn't it Felipe Albuquerque and the placement by Audi uh, Felipe with Jota Sport in the LMS it's clearly an opportunity for Nick to develop his LMP racing skills the interesting thing for me though John is it's almost a full season it goes beyond his current commitment to the two races this season now Is that because Porsche are looking to groom another couple of drivers for future efforts and to keep the current guys on their toes? I think it might be. Um, I think they've seen something from Mr. Tandy in testing that they like, and I think they're going to see where this can take him. Uh, And I wouldn't be remotely surprised to see, Nick, uh, a firm part of the LMP squad, uh, perhaps in year two. Let's wait and see. But very good news for him. That is one heck of a squad, an all-British driving squad uh, for KCMG for those six races, with Richard Bradley and Matt Housen, both confirmed as well, aboard their brand-new Orica 05 Nissan.
1: Uh, Still to come, we've got a multiple world champion, we've got more sports car news and yes we will be talking LMP2 and we will be giving you the full story and the truth. No speculation and no rumour here, Uh, we have the full story in its entirety uh, here on Midweek Motorsport. Before that... Uh, Graham, just uh, in this little tranche of news, uh, the Aston Martin LMP1 is going back to Le Mans this year. Yay. Yeah, oh, we like that, don't we? One of my
5: favourite, uh, uh, favourite sounds at Le Mans over the last decade is the shocking sound of an Aston Martin V12 firing up beneath my kind of uh, placement in the press centre. We, we we thought we'd never hear that again, but uh, with the Aston Martin Festival uh, at Le Mans as part of the Uh, the the support race program again this year Um, we're going to be treated not just to the GT1 GTE GT2 GT3 GT4 uh, Aston Martins but also at least one example of the LMP one and it's going to be the Lolo Aston Martin known as the DBR12 a massive fan favorite that car And uh, I think that one's going to have everybody running for the windows or running for the spectator bankings. Um, We will see. Another quick thing about Le Mans, John, I would hope that by tomorrow evening we'll be able to bring uh, your uh, listeners via the fantastic medium of uh, Twitter and Facebook uh, some pictures of a significant change to the Le Mans circuit. So watch out for that. Uh, That's happening literally as I speak. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, through uh, local contacts we have there, we should be able to bring you some pictures of that to the web tomorrow evening.
1: The Aston Martin uh, trophy race, if you will, following on from the Porsche Cup race that we had last year that was won by the Par Motorsport entry with Ben Barker, remember, at the wheel of that car. And that didn't do him any harm. All right, it's a little bit of a different uh, in terms of its atmosphere. It's perhaps... A little more of a celebration as much as it is of a race. Talking to David Richards, actually, on Friday about this last week, we literally bumped into David at Race Retro. Uh, he was having a look around at some of the old uh, 555 rally cars that he was involved with. And the the point that Graham is making is that that Aston Martin race at Le Mans is for any Aston Martin from the last 10 years. And therefore... With a upper limit of somewhere in the high fifties or early sixties, I think. Graham. It's um, sixty
5: car. It's a sixty car grid with fifty cars so far confirmed.
1: Uh, David Richards is uh, looking to drive a GT four car. It is a two driver race, forty five minutes. And if there's anybody out there with a GT4 or GT3 who wants an extra driver, I will be there and available.
3: Oh, uh, just to let you know. Magnifico, of you, John.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes,
5: absolutely. But you the... have of course, um, you have track experience in Aston Martin race cars, John.
1: Uh, yes, that is that is well road cars, not race cars, but road no, cars. No no, 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 no. No, I've seen you in a race car. Oh, sorry, in an Aston, yes, but not at that track. I've driven the no. track in an Aston Martin. I've yes. driven the full Le Mans track in an Aston Martin, and Graham Tyler has just about lived to tell the tale of that. But yes, I have driven a works Aston Martin. It was an Aston Martin, and it worked. Uh, James <laughs> Foster on the earlier story: KCMG and Porsche are they following the Jota Sport lead uh, with the news that Nick Tandy is going to do that? So it's not a bad point. That's uh, no, exactly right. James. So I
5: think I th- think I-, I think as I said with Philippe Albuquerque, but uh, but I think the answer is well, why wouldn't you? it's actually a very efficient way of getting somebody that's had limited um, LMP experience some proper track time. And, and let, I mean, we heard from Felipe, was it last week uh, we heard from Felipe, yeah. and he was talking about this year being able to do two stints. That's in the LMS. Well, of course, in the WEC, you can do rather more. So by the time we get to Le Mans, he'll have had the experience with the car at, uh, at Silverstone. But the interesting thing for me is that that programme carries on beyond Le Mans. That, I think, is a very significant uh, a significant yeah. development for Nick Tandy. Uh,
1: you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's just after a quarter to nine, 15 minutes before nine o'clock in the UK. It's uh, Nick Damon and uh, John Heindorf uh, in the studio here at Heindorf Towers, uh, up in London, our executive producer is Tim Greer. And uh, from GGHQ, an agent of Shed, it is, of course, the uh, editor of DailySportsCard.com, uh, which is... Uh, Graham Goodwin with us. We'll answer some more of your questions uh, in a moment. The LMP2 story coming up. Uh, the facts, no speculation, uh, no emotion, just the facts coming up uh, in a way. While Marshall through in a second, I was as well. It is very much drag net. Uh, but now uh, a, a little bit of a, an aside. Still a bit of sports car news coming up and something. The preview's a new programme that you'll be able to hear next week after Midweek Motorsport. It's Andy Prio's 2015 Racing Diary, brought to you by IHG Racing and IHG Rewards. It's not just hotels. Andy, uh, as you probably know, is running three different BMWs in three different Championships this year, and we're going to be following him pretty much every step of the way in British Touring Cars, in ELMS, and in the Tudor United Sports Car Championship. So, as a preview to the first programme, which as I say is next week, uh, we caught up with Andy earlier on today, actually, over at iZone at Silverstone. And the first thing I asked Andy was just uh, how he was looking forward to doing this very, very busy 2015 programme.
6: I'm living the dream, first of all, you know, to have so many different programmes, to have European Le Mans series to have Tudor United sports car and also British touring car so I'm sort of coming back to my roots for British touring car which is really a really nice program with Dick Bennett's West Surrey Racing Uh, European Le Mans series is a works program uh, with BMW Motorsport And of course, the Turner boys. So I've got a fantastic uh, year ahead, and I want to be busy. I want to be racing. I love jumping in and out of different vehicles. I think it keeps you sharp. Mm. As long as you're not doing too much and you're absolutely exhausted, I think it's a a really good way to stay sharp and stay uh, stay focused.
1: Thirteenth year of being involved with BMW. Well done on getting that together, and we have to see that partially is down to the fact that I think uniquely, despite the fact you're in three different cars and three different disciplines, you've got the same sponsor right across all three programmes.
6: Absolutely, I've, I'm very fortunate, this is my 13th year with BMW as a works factory driver which is something I'm very proud of, it's not easy to maintain a, a works contract you know, at that level so that's wonderful and my relationship's very strong with BMW but also uh, thanks to IHG Rewards Club for, for staying with me, I mean, they join me in my early years of world touring car in fact the first year that i won sorry the third year i won the world touring car mm-hmm. championship they, they were with me as a title sponsor and we've been through world touring car we've been through ilms we've been through um uh yeah we've been through dtm together and here we are now having three wonderful programs and and i must say that, that uh IHG Rewards Club have made it possible for me to be racing in America this year and in British touring cars so I'm very fortunate and very grateful to them for for supporting me in this way A slightly new way of them being
1: represented using the rewards club it's more than just hotel nights it's more than just points we've been looking at some of the ways that people can redeem these things and giving away big chunks of 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 points on the on the radio as well we've seen some of the individual brands the crown plazas the intercontinental on your cars in the past but we're kind of pulling all that together now with this ihg rewards club sponsorship
6: ihg rewards club is a fantastic loyalty program and um you know, the more you stay, the more you get, really. And you get points and you, and you get well, very well looked after. And uh, I think um, what people don't realise is the, is the brand and, you know, and how big it is. I mean, IHG is Holiday Inn, it's Crown Plaza, it's Intercontinental. Mm. There's so many choices and options to stay in great hotels all over the world. I'm very fortunate to, to be able to have that choice and uh, I've enjoyed my relationship with them very much.
1: The three programmes that you have are very different this year. Um, different parts of the world... Um, different cars actually as well and and we perhaps should touch on that the European Le Mans series for example is the first time we're going to see the Z4 GTE car in Europe being competed it's it's always been in the states before now
6: that's right to to be a GTE specification and um, to be racing with the ACO I think that really proves to To the ACO, that BMW is serious about Mm. the the future here, and uh, of course we're all developing and working very hard on the M6, the new M6, and that's GT3 car. But I would love to see that as a GTE or a Mm. GTLM. Um, So I think you know BMW really wanted to uh, to show their. uh, let's say their their seriousness about you know yeah, bringing their intent. Their intent. Yeah, yeah. That's the word I'm looking for about coming back to uh, back to Europe with a GT car. This is a pretty much a works program, and um, we we're really looking forward to the European Le Mans Series, and hopefully we've got a chance to be very competitive there. In
1: the states, you're back with the Turner guys again. Uh, that's in a very different specification car.
6: Yeah, I mean that's my first. Daytona was my first time in a GTD car, actually.
1: Mm. I'm told they're very, very difficult to drive because they don't have the driver aids of a GT3 car. They're pretty slippery through the air, so top speed is, yeah. is pretty impressive.
6: Yeah, although we were really struggling in Daytona, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, the car, actually, fundamentally, is a great, really nicely balanced car. Uh, Of course, you don't have traction control. Mm -hmm. um, And most GT3, all GT3 cars have ABS. You don't have ABS. You've got quite a a low grip scenario, Mm -hmm. tyre-wise. It's the same for everybody. So um, the tyre is very reliable, but it's low grip. And, um, yeah, you've really got to drive the car. You know, it's all about driving the car in a balanced way. You can't afford to lock the tyres. You've got traction issues. You've got tyre degradation issues. I actually quite like it. It's a really nicely... Uh, set up little formula, the GTD Mm -hmm. class, actually, and it's very, very competitive. So um, I really enjoyed Daytona. It was just a shame that we didn't have the top speed to compete with um, the other manufacturers that weekend. Both of the
1: formula that we've talked about are endurance-based formula. You spend quite a bit of time in the car, up to 24 hours uh, of racing, obviously not on your own, uh, as far as the Chid United Sports Car Championship is concerned. Add to that a third different version of the car, still a BMW a very different car indeed and races that are crash bang wallop all over in, in 20 minutes in fact probably for a whole british touring car championship weekend you don't spend as much time in the car from start to finish as you do doing a couple of three stints in one of the endurance periods
6: yeah it's a very different approach you know i've got i've got cars like the uh, you know the Z4 GTE with high downforce and uh, high grip and then, of course, you've got the GTD car, a little bit less downforce, but still lots of power, low grip. And then you've got the touring car, no grip and no power. <laughs> so um, it's, uh, it's transition. And, and front-wheel drive, is it? Is uh, it no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm rear-wheel drive, actually, okay. yeah. But um, transitioning is going to be, I think it's, it's always more difficult. I know it's more difficult coming from a high-grip to a low-grip scenario. Yeah. But going from the touring car to the GTD or GTLM should be... Um, you know much easier GTE sorry so, um, so not easier but but, but but more natural Yes. Um, so yeah going into a very intense 20 minute race where you really have to be extremely instinctive um, it's
1: 180 degrees different yeah. isn't it we talk in endurance racing patience you've yeah. got to
6: have patience you let the you let the racing develop you haven't got time you haven't got time to weird two corners then mind two laps it's a very different approach but I will say that to be honest the um you know the last few years I've especially last year I've really focused on being a GT driver mm-hmm. and the racing is intense yeah. from start to finish of the stint especially in America with the yellows and the way that the uh, full course yellows work and it's always bunching you up and it's a real tough stint it's always mm-hmm. a tough stint um, but definitely in touring car racing you have to be a bit more ambitious because in GT racing you're always thinking about finishing the stint passing the car over to the teammate, being there at the end and it's the last half an hour that wins you races Follow
1: Andy, of course, with uh, the IHG Racing. Use the hashtag uh, IHG Racing as well and the Rewards Club uh, website will be following Andy throughout the season, as will we be, and and listen out for some uh, longer programmes with Andy throughout the season. Um, Cheeky question. Is any one of those three more favourite than the other or is that like asking me to pick between your wife and your children?
6: (laughs) Well, it's a difficult one, to be honest. I think, um, you know... Going back to, uh, to touring car racing is quite special for me because um, that's where I made my name. Mm-hmm. Um, but after such a brilliant year last year in the GTL M series for me, I've really got myself to a point where I'm a well-recognized and established um, mm-hmm. you know, sports car driver, and I do love that. So um, I think it's nice just to have the the variety, to be honest, and and it keeps me the the, the, the British touring car stuff is going to keep me race sharp, definitely, um, and and the and the endurance stuff is going to keep me clever. Some of the stints in um, in, in sports car racing, I take my hat off to to all the top sports car drivers over the last fifteen years, because the, the speed differential from the LMPs to the GTS, and being able to manage traffic, and you, you really do have to have high levels of concentration. Touring car racing—you you're really about you know hunting down the car ahead. Mm-hmm. You're in a train. Everybody's roughly the same speed, and it's a bit like karting. You're you're really looking to 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 to, to, to nudge a little bit and push your, push your way through. Whereas sports car racing, you've got quite a lot of variables. I think that's what makes it very very difficult. You've got strategy, pit stops, varying varying different different uh, ability levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, dif- definitely difference in speeds that's really really hard to manage and, and last year I really felt I got on top of that You know, a lot, the last half of the season I really felt like a sports car driver so I want to keep that going um, but I also made my name in touring car racing so to have the best of both worlds I'm, I'm very lucky Sandy
1: Priok Uh, talking to me earlier on today over at iZone at Silverstone. Uh, That is a prelude to Andy Prio's 2015 Racing Diary, which will be brought to you here on RadioLeMond.com by hashtag IHG Racing. And IHG Rewards Club, it's not just hotels. And the first one is next week, straight after midweek motorsport. So we'll be... I'm kind of looking forward to it, Graham. It's good to see Andy back in Europe. And, of course, it's the first time we've seen the GTE version of the Z4 in Europe. It'll be interesting to see how Mark VDS making that car go against the, the more established manufacturers that we've had in Europe for quite a while now.
5: It will. It's, it's you know, variety is indeed the spice of life. and It's good to see Andy uh, mixing it with GT and touring car racing. I do like to see a race driver, you know, uh, competing in more than one discipline does really show the quality, doesn't it? And it is that old-fashioned racing driver sort of thing, and uh, and Andy is certainly one of those. But, yeah, I've, I'm looking forward to seeing just how the Z4 matches up. Is it is it one of the, uh, the RLL cars from last year, this one?
1: Uh, I believe it is, actually. That's one of the things I forgot to ask Andy today, but that's something I can clear up with him. But, yes, I believe it is. Um, and it's uh, already... Uh, The guys from Mark VDS are getting their heads around it and they're getting a bit of help from BMW Motorsport, of course, here uh, in Europe. Uh, Nick Damon is with me. And, uh, Nick, you will remember, as I do, Andy Prio uh, at Alton Park getting poor position in his first ever front-wheel drive. Uh, race, I think it was a Vauxhall, wasn't it? Mm. That he was uh, he was brought into drive when I think it was Phil Bennett got banned for a couple of races. Yes, yeah, Andy, no, he's a fantastic driver. I, got, I had a little son of excitement earlier
3: this week when he uh, commented on the video we did for the IHG Awards uh, with you in the car at Daytona. I
1: thought, Oh, it's drug. He's going to go back to a British Touring Car Championship that looks a lot different than he la- than he left it what uh, twelve years ago, thirteen. I kind years of ago.
3: wonder on the British Touring Car Championship. And I know he's a world touring car champion. If he's going to end up with the same feeling as about the Darren Turner did, and it's not proper racing,
4: ooh,
1: he's going to. I mean, the thing is, he's a world champion, so. He, and he's in the best uh, car. He's got nothing to. He's got nothing to gain and everything to lose. He's going to have a big target on the back of him, isn't he?
3: Yeah, uh, but I think it's, uh, you know. I think he is obviously going to the championship-winning car. Um, the two other. Main, well, all the other main contestants are either driving new cars to them or new cars, so he's got a good chance. I mean, he does depend what what um, uh, he's got Alan to learn the tactics. Does. Well, Alan Gow's going to obviously, I'm sure, have a little bit of a nibble at the rear wheel drive cars again.
1: But he's got to learn the tactics because you can't always win every race, and there's between-race ballast, and there's drawn-out of a hat for the third race, and fastest lap time sets the... Grid for for race two, so there's there's a lot for him to get his head around. Yeah, I think it's I think it is a harder championship to come
3: in and do well, and the fact that Matt Neal and um, Jason Plato keep winning races shows how important experience is.
1: And they've never been away, of course. They've been in British Touring Cars all this time. And, yeah, definitely been away. Not for a very long time, uh, t- uh, Tim. No. I, he, he had a he had a four eight to Um but he's not been away since then.
3: No, and certainly so not in the modern era. Last, um, year, last what, nine
4: I, years, I think years?
1: it's I think it's an interesting one. Um, the the GTD thing, I don't think, um, is perhaps going exactly the way he would have wanted. Grim with the guys at Turner not getting the result at Daytona, and and we've only just heard, haven't we, that the uh, the balance of performance hasn't gone their way. For sabring, quite the reverse, actually. Um, Funny so, that. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how that works, if I'm honest, but I'm not going to even open that can of worms. It's it's not an easy thing to do, though. Jumping between three different types of car no i mean
5: but it shows the quality doesn't it it's uh it, let's face it it, it, it it makes me sound like a, ter- a bloke even older than i actually am but you know there was nothing unusual back in the day about uh someone doing sports cars single seaters and touring cars on the same bill never mind yeah. in the same year albeit yeah. okay we are talking about cars that are far more complex uh, nowadays but i just think it's a good thing i think it's a great thing in terms of um, allowing more and more people to see, you know, the stars that we actually have in this sport. I think it's a great thing for British touring cars and for the LMS to actually have Andy there. Let's not forget a bona fide FIA world champion. Correct. Um, and there's, you know, precious few of those. Uh, and, yeah, more power to him. I'm uh, delighted we're going to be seeing more of him this year. Uh,
1: we started the programme off with the first a clue in where's Nick or where's Tim this week and uh, he has been away he's got a suntan and his first clue was the Cabana boys looked nothing like Johnny Palmer what's clue number two for where's well I'll uh, give
2: you some of the uh, answers we've had so far Alfred Wallace Mm -hmm. said uh, so did Tim Gray go to Tuvalu no real logic I just like hearing people say Tuvalu
1: TV uh huh, very good. Uh,
5: and Dan I've been Hansel, to for It's brilliant, it's wonderful.
1: I don't even know how to spell it, never mind how to get there.
2: Dan Hounsell says Aruba, Jamaica.
3: Oh, oh I want to make a...
2: You're all wrong. Yeah. Clue number two. Okay. I earned plenty of IHG Reward Club points.
1: Ah, oh, okay very good Uh, Stu G reminding us it's 20 years on from his hill climb title this year for Andy Prio and uh, you'll be able to hear the first yes I know scary isn't it the first full episode of Andy Prio's 2015 Racing Diary brought to you by hashtag IHG Racing and IHG Rewards Club it's not just hotels at 10 o'clock next week we'll remind you in the show but now it's just after 9 here in the UK Midweek
0: Motorsport and if you spend the first part of the show counting, you should be up to 3,600 by now.
1: <laughs> these are good. I like these new ones. Very good. In the second hour of tonight's programme, more interaction with you on at Spec Utaming at Radio Lamont. Uh, and of course, at DSC editor, Graham Goodwin is still with us. At RC Racing, the bearded Nick Damon. And at Tim Double Underscore Grey, uh, that is our executive producer up in London. We will have interaction. With the west coast of America and Racer.com's Marshall Pruitt is frantically tightening up uh, op-ed pieces for Racer.com even as we speak about to go live with those. Uh, we'll have the pointless press release of the week. We'll be talking two wheels as well with World Superbikes debuting at Phillip Island at the weekend. But next, it's the big sports car story of the week.
0: Midweek Motorsport on RadioLemon.com.
1: Well, welcome along if you are just joining us. John Hayndal. Carry on. I wasn't expecting that. Welcome along if you have just joined us. Um, We've got the big LMP2 story coming up in a second, but we did promise you last week to have a chat uh, about (sighs) motorsport in the movies. And Nick, it was the uh, the US uh, preview uh, or premiere last night... Of the Will Smith's new movie Focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you went to see it a couple of weeks ago I did. in the UK and, uh, and, and you had to sign an end of
3: I, I did. I, not, not, no, I, I won't say that kid. Yeah, and interestingly, also, I saw that um, uh, IndyCar issued a press release today, uh, flouting the fact, promoting the fact that IndyCar is featured in new Will Smith film Focus. Now, for all you people who who live in England, uh, Focus is basically uh, two episodes of Hustle stuck together. Um, It even has the same sort of, uh, you know, very attractive uh, man of colour as the leading man. Mm -hmm. And uh, a very uh, attractive woman who is kind of, is he or isn't he with him?
6: Alright.
3: So the first part of the story, which is based around a, not the Super Bowl because they haven't got the rights to it, but they've made up a, a football championship. Very good. Excellent. All twisty-turny, kind of capery, heisty con mart. Uh, brilliant. Great stuff. So this is
1: this is long con type. Long
3: con. Right. So it's, it's short con and a long con. And then they, then they go. Then there's a three-year gap. Uh-huh. And they go off. To this. Next we see out here is in Buenos Aires. Mm, As you do. A Buenos Aires racetrack. Now, I've been to the uh, Buenos Aires. But it's not there. Apparently, it's NOLA. And they've got a couple of Indy cars testing around. Right. And so you see these Indy cars going round. And then they have a scene where the Indy cars are going round, only they've overdubbed... Uh, last year, the year before last, Formula One noises. So they got screaming V8s rather than turbos ah. or anything else. And then we we had this subplot set in the world of a racing series that's meant to be Formula One, but Formula One probably from about 1977. Excellent. When there's a, each team consists of seven people. Um, so the the main plot Extras point. That
2: expensive, this, Nick.
3: Yeah. Background so, artists. So Background artists. The main plot point that, that Will Smith is playing the con man who's supposed to be a disgruntled employee wouldn't really work when you could point to all the employees of every team um and uh, they it, it, they have
1: it. so basically it's as good uh, attention to detail in terms of the
4: racing oh, sequences
1: right. as rush there was. are no racing sequences
3: it, 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 it after the cars go past three or four times it's all based around trying to sell this special new algorithm that makes fuel saving better oh, hey
1: don't break with your left foot
3: exactly and um yeah and they, they had these fantastic caricatures they got an Italians a bit swarthy and a bit greasy you know but significantly more attractive than Flavio Briatori. They've got a team that's not McLaren, but is, run, but oddly, then run by a very brash Australian. Oh ah, really? Who's kind of like a combination of Flavio Briatore and James
1: Hunt at the same time.
2: And looks and like and Alan Jones, cu- obviously.
1: Yeah. So can we cut to the chase? Is it worth going to see? I, I love cut- caper films. Right, so even the fact that the... It is the
3: worst representation of motorsport I think I've seen since... Uh, yes, since drivel. Yes. But luckily, it is only a subplot, and therefore you don't get too offended after I was told to shush by Rachel for pointing out it wasn't Buenos Aires, they weren't the right car sounds, and
1: what are they doing?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> what did and, uh, uh, what did uh, IndyCar driver uh, Carlos Munoz uh, have to say about it?
1: Ever since I was a small boy, I've wanted to be <laughs> in a film with Will Smith. Yeah, I, I, I got to stand in the back and point
3: and have Nokia stickers on me. That is actually what he did say. <laughs> did he? He <laughs> said... <laughs>
2: Um, he said uh, movie driving is a little different from racing but it was good to get out there and feel the, uh, the downforce um, I knew for sure I wanted to be a Hollywood star yeah. it was my first time with such an experience and probably my first and last time in a movie
3: uh, I don't see the <laughs> I don't see the sequel being made.
1: Yeah, uh, Nick Holland has just tweeted in to say I'm thinking the Crown Plaza Heathrow. I believe it still has indoor cabanas for uh, Tim. Mm-hmm. But how did he get his suntan? It could have been an Essex spray, of course. Of course, yeah. But it was. It's wasn't, not Nick. sprayed on. No, sorry. Uh,
2: but it was a Crown Plaza.
1: Um, Andy's uh, VDS car, Mark VADS car. By the way, is not an RLL car um it's a new car from bmw motorsport uh so we've just had that in um from um the uh, hashtag ihg racing team so thank you for that i didn't ask andy that today so i i, I was fishing in the dark with that one so thank you to uh, the hashtag ihg uh, racing guys for letting us know it is a new build car for Mark VDS from BMW Motorsport and one uh, more thing from me yes, uh, on, which
2: is that focus is uh, on general release from this Friday and in the US it's rated R and uh, contains some sexual content and brief violence
1: okay. Did do? Uh, Graham Goodwin is still with us from dailysportscar.com hello Graham hello hello Uh, Nick Damon, of course, and uh, we've also got, as you just heard, our executive producer, Tim Gray. Let's move on to the big story of the week. We've left it into our two to make sure that everybody is here and also to get everything in our way. Um, Let's start off with uh, some listener comments that that were on the Facebook page earlier on. Dean Ackerman, why do these championships keep swallowing this spec Kool-Aid if they do this to P2 what's the point of P3 Tyler Stover boo limiting constructors is absurd if someone wants to make a a car to cost cap rules let them do it and sort out their own business side Uh, engines are quickly becoming spec anyway used to be Nissan or nothing now is it going to be HPD or nothing for goodness sake don't write that into the regs Paul S. Davis don't get either of these proposals at all it undermines precisely what's made modern day LMP. So successful, Uh, I suspect, says Paul, protectionism and politics at work here. Uh, James Thompson, what? It's all the small constructors that now typically build P2 cars, uh, which have carried the ACO for the past 15 years. Now, are they literally going to ban half of them from designing cars? Michael Booth, we've got Orica, Onroak, HPT, Gibson, Stracker, Dome, uh, BR, Multimatic, plus Riley, Coyota, Delara, and Addis building P2s. And you're going to tell most of these guys they can't come and play in 2017. Uh it sounds like we've picked out just ones that are negative to the big story of the week which was a leak from the prototype working group that was a meeting that was held on the 27th of january uh, 2015 earlier on this week a number of people uh, beginning to leak some details about this and those i Guarantee you those were absolutely representative. There was not a single positive comment on the Facebook page. Um, We've thought long and hard about how we're going to cover this tonight. What we're not going to do is we're not going to speculate. There's people's livelihoods at risk here. So what we're going to do is give you the facts And we can give you the facts, because I have in my hand two pieces of paper. (laughs) Um, That went well off, didn't it? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Uh, I do have in my hand two pieces of paper. I suspect a number of other people have these as well, given the amount of detail that's come out of it, which include what appears to me to be uh, a proposal uh, that was put to the meeting of the 27th of January 2015. Um, It's presented to me in the form of uh, sort of minutes of a meeting but it's not really because there's no discussion points Um, but what I want to do is I want to just go through some facts on this Um, These are not from industry sources, these are not from unnamed people, these are minutes of a meeting that included the ACO, the FIA, IMSA, Bentley, Volkswagen, Ford, Riley & Scott, Mazda, General Motors, Coyote Cars, Worth Research, Engine Development, Multimatic, Lamborghini, Delara, Nissan, Orica, Onrook and HPD, dated the 27th of January 2015. The philosophy of the 20, and this is all relating by the way to the LMP2 class from 2017 onwards. The philosophy is that the ACO, FIA and IMSA collaborate and agree and submit the following guidelines to manufacturers. Uh, A globally eligible car to compete worldwide, proposed exceptions to manage differences between IMSA and and the ACO, FIA, uh, ELMS, LMS and WEC. Uh, costs should be acceptable running costs for teams and sustainable business models for manufacturers. Now, I'll tell you now, there is nothing in here of the 30% number that's been bandied around as as a uh, saving on the current cost-cutting formula. Nothing at all. Uh, However, what there is, is a definition of a chassis being a complete car without an engine. Engineered, manufactured as sold by a chassis constructor, Uh, which is going to be referred to as a CC. The regulations are based on the 2014 LMP1 monocoque, and it's a four-year homologation period for the chassis, which begins January 2017, with all of the manufacturers homologating the chassis at the same time. No new uh, CC chassis manufacturer will be permitted within the homologation period. Four CCs will be selected before September now it doesn't say September. Which year? It's this it year, says... John. Well, yes, I I, I guess that, but it doesn't actually say that. Uh, although it does about the engines, of which more later. Four CCs will be selected, with at least one North American based, and the selection process will be defined at a future time. Uh, the uh, there's a single performance joker allocated for performance. Reasons following approval from the committee and the update must be supplied at no cost to the team. After the homologation period, a new selection process will be initiated for the following period, presumably the following four years. Um, Bodywork simplified to help reduce costs. Optional styling variants will be managed by IMSA for tusks. Tusk and all variants must fit within a defined aerodynamic performance box. IMSA will define that box for them, obviously. There will be an aerodynamic Le Mans kit mandatory for all cars at Le Mans 24. A cost cap still to be defined. The car should be at 1,900 millimetres. That's a difference now because the cars are already at uh, 2,000 mil. And the minimum weight it should be increased to 2 to 940 kilos, depending on the implications of safety test. Now, the engines, uh, a single engine supplier for the ACO and FIA regulations, uh, with the aim for a durability uh, of 50 hours minimum, uh, aiming for less than today, running cost being the main target. Um, The single engine supply is chosen because after the dedicated engine uh, working group organised in 2014, it appeared that was the only sustainable sustainable option to match all requirements. 4 litre V8, normally aspirated, based on the architecture of the F3 GRE 2.0 engine. Uh, That's thought to be the cheapest way to integrate the chassis. Uh, It could be useful to have one company in the US if it allows a lower cost. That would be a support company. Um, IMSA, however, will have three engines um, in terms of more than one. And they will be allowed to bring those cars to Le Mans 24. IMSA competitors will be allowed to race IMSA specification engines at LM24, but not at the WEC. Performance, looking at something above 10 kilometers an hour relative to WEC, 50 horsepower more relative to as standard now single uh, ecu and uh, grandfathering will include existing p2s and prototypes for imsa uh, they'll be grandfathered for a year new cars hoping to have better performance etc and the engine spec will be tendering in june 2015 and the suppliers should be announced in 15. That is the facts of what have been put out there, however, however let's just before we all run around with hair on fire remind ourselves that is a proposal and presented very much as a proposal that is still to be discussed. What we can't tell you dear listener is um, what was said in terms of discussion at the meeting because there was an agreement between everybody who was there that they wouldn't discuss it, and, and they have they have stuck to that, uh, reasonably, I think. There is another manufacturer meeting on the 26th of March, which probably will be at Recard. It's the day before the Recard Prologue. Um, we've spoken to more than half of the people who were there uh, or involved. Uh, and uh, it is fair to say that it came as a surprise to everybody. Uh, What we can tell you is that at no time in the past has anybody suggested that this question was asked in the manufacturer meeting. Now, that's what we have as fact. We're not going to speculate, as I said. Um, It is something for the ACO to talk about. The unfortunate part of this, Graham, is that I was... Um, reading some of that word for word because it's out there the unfortunate part of that is how this has got out and potentially and you've spoken to as many people as I have I guess today what that's done in terms of confidence within the LMP2 paddock Uh,
5: yeah I think the answer is it's an uncontrolled leak I've got the same document I know others that do as well and um, the answer is uh, spectacular face plants of confidence in a class that at the moment is doing very well and i think you're right john we're not going to get into the ins and outs of um the good the bad the difference uh, i know you're going to speak to Marshall a little later if you want to read my point of view on it and a uh, little more about what we think this all means there's uh, two extensive pieces just literally just gone live one on dsc by myself and one on racer.com by marshall um It is certainly fair to say there is something of a mixed uh, picture here, depending on which side of the Atlantic you are. Um, What can you say? Uh, I can say that I've spoken to a number of people today who are close to despair that this is actually out there as a proposal. And you're quite right, John. It is simply that. I would, though, say is it's a proposal with a pretty challenging time frame attached to it. What do I mean by that? Uh, Well, there's the uh, selection of the four chassis manufacturers for uh, the new regulations by September this year. There's the tender document for the single supplier um, engine manufacturer to be issued by June this year and for that uh, engine manufacturer to be appointed by September. Uh, I find that one quite difficult to take uh, because in effect what that in, in effect means it doesn't just count you out uh if you're not on that favored list in 2016 it counts you out now um because from right here right now i can't see that there's going to be anybody that's going to be committing to a new car and a new program at this at this stage with with that yeah. document out in in effect the public domain and i think what it comes down to is look is this a question that has been asked what is the question that's being asked and answered here? Um, there is uh, you know, a theory, and it's been well voiced on the, on the forums, that this is to do with um, cost and cost capping. What fundamentally is not in that document, John, uh, I think you'll agree, is any kind of quantification of a benefit to either the manufacturers as a total or to the teams. And th- at this point, however we got here, that needs to happen right now.
1: Yeah, OK, Graham. Uh, I know you've been taking the the temperature of, of one or two people. The piece is up on DSC right now, and um, it's worth it's worth a read. Graham, we're going to say goodbye to you uh, for now, at least, and for the evening. I know you've got a lot to do. We'll get Marshall Pruitt up with Tim from London in just a few moments' time. Let me go through some of the uh, tweets that are coming in. Nick Holland says, will this fixed... Uh, Will this cost cap or fixed cost for LMP? Uh, It seems a backward step. Sounds like a a question that hasn't been asked, Says Charlie Price. P2 is burning, says Wayne Price. There's no need to spec P2. Surely that's what P3 is for. Don't fix what's not broken. The uh, I feel, says James Foster for Stryker, Dome, Pilbean, SMP and more small companies. Uh, taking the brunt. Got to say that this looks like a DP adapted look to P2, not a revision of P2. Says my own. Andrew says, hold the phone, Bentley in an LMP2 meeting. Are Bentley planning a comeback to prototype racing? No, but they've got a nice uh, 4 litre engine, of course, don't they? Uh, and uh, by the way, Bespoke Racing Engine is the. Uh, Is the answer to the question as as far as engines is concerned? GRE Appendix J two-liter F3 engine. That would be something that Volkswagen, I'm sure, would be very interested in. Uh, Surely this is a PR disaster for LMP2 chassis manufacturers who'd invested in a new LMP car. Now, Uh, the story, of course, remember, is just a proposal for discussion at the moment. Good at uh good if this goes through post-tracked after a bad uh, 2014 uh marshall pruitt uh is he is are you with us there marshall
7: i believe i'm with you Hindy. hey mate
1: um, a number of people looking at that and listening to what we've said and obviously reading what you and graham have written and by the way marshall's uh getting his op ed up pieced uh, up as well on racer.com a number of people are uh looking at that uh with a a US bent as well. And we'll come to that because clearly what Graham's just said about what's happening here in Europe, if you ask a similar question in the States, you might get a different answer because it's a different answer to the LMP2 question in the States.
7: Yeah. What's most interesting to me, Heidi is this is a proposal. There's nothing formal. There's nothing approved, but uh, it is worth stating that the ACO would not have folks flying f- from throughout the globe to sit down to just spitball things and throw okay. out general concepts. You can do that by email. You can do that by Skype. Um, th- there's maybe a little bit greater intent to divine from this. This wasn't just a concept, what do you think? This is something that was formulated with a lot of input uh, from some of the very people who were in that room. So, uh, again, just, just a little bit of context that this wasn't just floating a test balloon to see if it would actually fly. Uh, I think that we're we're looking at some things that could very well uh, be ratified here very soon. But <clears throat> the the greatest of the many takeaways, Heindy, the biggest surprise uh, is the fact that for those of us who expected, and I think this is a pretty big group, those of us who expected twenty seventeen P two to be a merging of philosophies, a coming together, whether you are a domestic championship like IMSA's Tudor Championship or a global series like the WEC, if you opt in to the 2017 rules that are being fashioned, you're part of the global community. Uh, What we found is there's actually a greater divide, at least based on this proposal, than we have right now. If you are Mike Shank, if you are Tracy Crone, whomever, and you want to take your P, your brand new P2 car, and race it at Le Mans, the W.C. elsewhere, right now, and IMSA, you're absolutely golden. Come 2017, if you adhere to IMSA's. Uh, the IMSA P2 spec, which I'm calling it, because this is no longer a global P2 spec. This is WEC P2 and a hard line drawn that is separated with IMSA P2. If you're on the IMSA P2 side in 2017, based on this proposal, uh, other than going to Le Mans, your car is not compliant. It's really shocking.
1: uh, There is that opportunity, though. One of the things that a number of our tweeters have already uh, spotted in what I read out there and what we've been talking about is that whilst the WEC and ELMS and Asian Le Mans series competitors will be uh, will have the choice of four chassis but a single engine, anybody who's in Tusk who goes to Le Mans, the biggest race of the year, will have a choice of four chassis manufacturers and any engine they want.
7: Oh, yeah. that, that How's this? And uh, my reaction to this is not just as an American with a domestic championship, but as someone who, I mean, I'll be at probably at least four or five WC races this year, Heindy, so I'll be covering both, love both. Uh, I'm saddened by what uh, the what the ACO and FIA are considering for the WEC, and I'm ecstatic about where things could be heading for IMSA. It's going to be a party, Heidi. Hey, whatever, mm. in, you know, other than Diesel, bring whatever you want. Let's play. It's being left to IMSA. To control their BOP, their regulations. That, I mean, genuinely, if you want freedom, America's the place to go. Twenty seventeen P two. <laughs> if you like restrictions and being bound, and uh, I mean, I could, I almost imagine Heidi, a single sheet of paper being sent to WEC P two entrance with four boxes. Check, uh, check the one for the chassis you want. One big box that says engine because there's no other choice, and one big box that says tires. I mean, it's almost that simple.
1: Yeah, I forgot to mention it's a single tire formula as well. Um, I should have mentioned that spec ECU, whatever engine you use. So even the guys from Tusk will have to use the same ECU. So there will be some performance balancing required um, when they come to when the the Tusk the IMSA guys come to uh, come to Le Mans. Um, I'm reading between the lines quite. Uh, significantly here i see two stories here i see a proposal uh, that the aco are putting together for their side of things and let's remind ourselves it's still a proposal but i see that imsa are plowing their own furrow on that and that to me is probably a bigger part of the story because frankly we we don't know what's going to happen with this proposal and and, and how It will, um, it will, how that story will develop. What I see is IMSA, what's the word I'm looking for? Protecting itself, ensuring, Marshall, that it has still the opportunity to, and I want to be very blunt here, to attract manufacturer investment to their top prototype category. If Chevrolet uh, wants to come with a P2 program, they could do. A, an engine um, they probably couldn't do a chassis as well unless they were the chassis supplier for the whole, uh, the, the one in the US if Ford want to come with a car with body styling and there's a specific mention in the proposal uh, to um, optional styling variants managed by IMSA for the Tudor United Sports Car Championship if Ford want to come with a P2 programme if Chevy, if Dodge Chrysler or any of the big manufacturers who traditionally spend money in American racing want to come. That option remains open here, and that makes me think that somebody's already thinking of doing it.
7: So, imagine, imagine a world. Sounds like a bad movie trailer, Heidi. Imagine a a world. world. Exactly. Imagine a world where uh, Jim France, founder of Grand Am. Uh, father of the spec and much oft maligned Daytona prototype concept is the one fighting hardest and, at least on the based on this proposal, succeeding to maintain vast diversity. In uh, with the IMSA P2 spec, turbocharged four-cylinder engines. There's a turbo four-cylinder coming for 2017 I know about. We have mm-hmm. twin-turbo V6s. We have V8s, we, all kinds of engine uh, variety, uh, chassis variety. Uh, genuinely, you have the guy who, again, has been ripped apart for his spec prototype concepts championing diversity, And you have the ACO, which is known as, you know, the fathers, founders, and protectors of all that's good and innovative and and creative, uh, especially with a P1 class, uh, effectively adopting uh, the old DP concept. I mean, that's what I've uh, written in my uh, opinion column that's up on Racer right now. It's shocking. uh, But with everything you've said, Heindy, absolutely. So if you want to play... Uh, P2, IMSA, 2017, that's your destination. Uh, And and I know I'm repeating myself from earlier, but I'm still blown away by this. Uh, I have been afraid all along that what IMSA would be getting itself into was... uh, too much European control, and that's nothing against European, but just as we've seen throughout the years, the the ACO's concept of what P1 or P2 should be hasn't always met the realities of what's needed in America, and so my concern was, were we going to lose that? Well, what we've seen is, since America no longer has a P1 class... Our P1 is P2 in the sense that it's where manufacturers play here in uh, the WEC in P2. Manufact- true manufacturer participation is not allowed. So we do have that difference, and the this proposal reflects that from top to bottom in Europe – uh, manufacturers are not just discouraged but it's effectively drummed out of the future regulations and in America where we don't have p1 manufacturers we only have the p2 manufacturers uh that is not only being safeguarded but uh possibly amplified for what's going forward uh it leaves a Chevy for example, with their Daytona prototypes, which make up the majority of the uh, of IMSA's prototype grid, them looking at, well, so for us to continue in America, we're going to have to do something. Uh, based on these rules, doing their own chassis, unlikely, but could they do their own engine? Absolutely. Would it be allowed uh, outside of America, other than once a year at Le Mans? No. Mm, it's, no. Um, so again, it's... I was expecting a a big global hug from P2, where everyone's effectively singing from the same hymn sheet, maybe with a few uh, variants assigned. What we've seen is actually things being blown even more wide open two years from now than we have today.
1: Uh, just a, a quick final word on this is about the meeting itself. It, it happened uh, at Daytona on the 27th of February. The, the next meeting of the P2 working group is the 26th of March. We believe that will be uh, Paul Ricard ahead of the WEC prologue. Um, there were some significant people not at that meeting um, who haven't found the need to be bound by. Um, the amata that was signed up to by the people there to the FA and the WEC. Um, Michael Shank has, has spoken to you. I saw a comment from him uh, in the in the story that you've posted uh, on racer dot com. Uh, I, I don't want specifics, MP, but I, I just want a general feeling from the people that you've spoken to either at that meeting i don't need names i don't need any confidence as broken i just want a general feeling from what uh, you've heard from the people who were either at that meeting or have since seen the minutes of the meeting as they've been distributed i think it was on monday that they came through
7: Sure, and let me step back quickly, Heidi. uh, you meant you read off the names of those who were in attendance at the meeting, and yep. there were some absences from the physical meeting. I can tell you that the email that went out with the meeting notes included a number of manufacturers, uh mostly chassis, but some engine who were not again there physically, but they were uh copied on. The uh, the notes. So I guess I would say that while it might not have been 100 percent physical attendance, uh, don't don't read into the fact that some names might not have been listed as not being there. But they were certainly kept. They've been kept uh, tuned into what's happening. Uh, spoke with Mike Shank, for example. He's the only full time entrant in uh, the Tudor Championship with a P2 car. There are others that will compete at select races. Uh, he has spent. <laughs> Most of his money to join opt into P2 at a, at a uh, early date, knowing that his DPs would be going away. And uh, he's a very practical guy, and basically said, you know, I the, what I liked about this was the ability to take my P2 car and go anywhere, go race it wherever. Uh, if these 2017 regulations prevent that, uh, that's definitely a step backwards. He also raised, raised another well, he's, a, he's a
1: Honda guy, isn't he? He's a Honda, effectively a Honda work-supported team, isn't he?
7: Exactly. Again, something that uh, could not happen uh, in WECP yeah. 2017. And this isn't I just... I forgot
1: to mention, actually, and that's something that you've reminded me. Any chassis manufacturer in FIA, ELMS, ACO... Um, European Le Mans series or uh, WEC or Asian Le Mans series, excuse me. If you are a chassis manufacturer, you can't be an engine supplier as well, or vice versa. If you supply the engine, you can't also supply a chassis in the European side of things. That would be different in the US um, if HPD, for example, were to be selected as the US-based Supplier, then they could, I believe, still put the Honda engine in it, but they would have to be named as the as the supplier.
7: Exactly. So the uh, the Takeo Patron ESM HPDs, brand new coupes, just ran their first race. HPD chassis, Honda slash HPD engine. Mm-hmm. That car come twenty seven, and they will be contesting the full WEC calendar. Uh, right. That car in two years' time could not. If they wanted to use it, for example, um, the only place they could that it would be uh, viable is an IMSA. Now, if by chance they were selected as the uh, the chassis manufacturer, then and this car, you know, this exact. 04B was allowed, they could in theory use that and would have to bolt in whatever spec V8 uh, was uh, that goes forward, but again, it's just, uh, it is what it is there, Heidi. I can tell you that having spoken with, uh, yes, many folks, and, and another thing that's a bit funny is spoke with many folks yesterday, for example, one on Monday as well, and uh, most of them off the record, a couple of them on the record. Uh, once some of these things started hitting the web, uh, they all woke up this morning to an email uh, from the sanctioning bodies in question saying, hey, so you remember that uh, non-disclosure agreement you signed? Please keep that in mind. Uh, so you won't be here, or you probably won't be hearing many speaking going forward. But uh, I can tell you this. For some, who we would say, if we're looking at the chassis side, for example, uh, those manufacturers who uh, are our well-known championship-winning P2 manufacturers at the moment, uh, it'd be very, quite a surprise to see them not, uh, t- to not earn one of the four slots that are being considered. Mm. Um, there are, you know, there, one of those two that happens to be uh, a constructor of uh, P2 cars from France, for example, uh, was Ecstatic about the direction things are headed and I think they would uh, be – why wouldn't they? From a financial standpoint, they could be earning a lot of business mm. due to the restricted business yeah, I, practices. I, I,
1: I kind of, I, I kind of don't even want to go down the route of who might be getting what and why because it's just a proposal. Uh, Hugh de was was kind enough to come back to us and say he couldn't be on tonight's program. We're going to try and get him for for next week. Sure, a couple of things. And we're going to move on to some more American news in a moment with MP. A couple of things I just want to clear up from people um, is engine is a single supplier for the European side of this. That's WEC. That's all ACO and FIA. And this is a joint ACO-FIA proposal, by the way. There's no suggestion that this is one or the other putting pressure on the other one. The, the engine uh, the engine that is being suggested is a bespoke racing engine using the current architecture of the 2.0-litre 4-cylinder GRE, or Appendix J, if you will, 2.0-litre uh, F3 engine, but basically tagging two of them together in a V and making a 4-litre normally aspirated uh, uh, normally aspirated 4-litre uh, V8 engine for this. That's what is being uh, proposed yeah, in, in the proposal. Yeah, I've,
7: I've done done some searching on that, Heindy, and I've heard the opposite because that was my take, is it sounded like... Uh, like two Hayabusa engines 4 cylinder Hayabusa uh motorcycle engines being mated to a uh a common uh, crankcase and thrown in the back of a radical uh you know two 2 liter 4 cylinder GREs thrown onto a uh, turned into a 4 liter V8 uh, asked around to some current engine manufacturers and others and they and I said that's what it sounds like to me at least on their interpretation they said no and some of those folks were in the room during the meeting uh they Possibilities of the GRE head, for example, uh, could that be used? For, at least from where they think things are heading, the GRE comments that were in the notes here may be a little bit misleading. So okay. we'll, we'll see what they end up with. But I can I understand
1: if they wanted to use block... And, um, yeah, I can understand if they wanted to use block architecture, um, you wouldn't necessarily be slavishly following um, following it. But the big thing is, it's not a stock engine as we have at the currently. Uh, it's not a small turbocharged engine. It is a large capacity, normally aspirated, bespoke racing. Engine, that's how it goes uh, at the moment. Let's uh, have a quick look down the Twitter uh, at the moment uh, that uh, is uh, coming in thick and fast. I can't keep up with it at the moment. Nick Holland said this is all going to require a podcast session and a notepad. Uh, A number of people making the point that neither Nissan nor HPD, the engine of choice, the engines of choice in LMP2 at the moment, uh, are uh, strictly speaking. bespoke race engines, they're both production based yes that's absolutely true Uh, Alfred Wallace says surely there is a dialogue open between the FIA and the ACO for suggestions, again this is not a fight between the FIA and the ACO, this is very much a joint uh, proposal that is going on, go and read Marshall's uh, piece on racer.com, I've just posted the link on the forum and uh, also Daily Sports Cars link uh, on there as Well, um, we could talk about this all night. We're not going to. We've given as many of the facts as we uh, have been uh, let into. Uh, And I have to say as well, um, we did mention single tyres. It's GT3 or GTE dimensions on the single tyre supplier. Although in the WEC, the tyre specs in terms of construction and um, compound, the choices are going to be... uh, kept and there's nobody suggesting that it will be the same single supplier for IMSA and for the ACO rest of the world either that's just again uh, just following up on questions that are coming in on Twitter at the moment Uh, I have no doubt that this will develop in the next few weeks we will as uh, we get more information give the information to you in fact not in speculation Um, let's move on Marshall, if we can, very quickly, big weekend of racing um, in the US last weekend with the opener for the NASCAR season, the Daytona 500. Now, unfortunately, for a lot of reasons, which I won't bore everybody with, um, it's very difficult to get to see the race in the UK without paying an awful lot of money for a channel that you never want to watch for the rest of the year.
2: What you mean to Um, say is it's very difficult to watch it live.
1: Well, yes. Uh, Who's got highlights, Tim?
2: Uh, The NASCAR YouTube channel shows the full races after the event.
1: but not on television, because even the BT Sport NASCAR highlights deal has disappeared now. It's on Uh, my television. Mm?
2: I've got YouTube on my television.
1: Oh, well done. Um, (laughs) I I don't, Um, and neither do quite a lot of people in the country. There's no terrestrial or satellite deal for highlights uh, in the UK. Marshall, who won the race?
7: That would have been young Joey Logano driving for Penske Racing.
1: From what I saw from Twitter, it was a pretty decent race right up until the green-white-checker at the end. Um, that I've seen some fairly forthright comments about the coverage, which I don't want to get into right now. But a, a proper old-fashioned Daytona 500, for the most part.
7: Yeah, Hindy. It was, if anything, lacking in drama, uh, mm. other than that late crash, the uh, the red flag that followed, or I mean, what led to the green-white-checker, but the race stoppage and such. And there was a pile-up on the final lap, which led to a yellow flag, and that also so the race finished under yellow, and that was also led to some people being rather displeased. But admittedly, uh, knowing how valuable each finishing uh, each finishing position is. Daytona, uh, you don't necessarily want stricken cars uh, fi- you know, f- cars falling apart and drivers we're trying to race them back to the finish line to improve by one or two spots so uh, while unpopular, I understood that decision, but yeah, I mean it was after a week of or weeks I should say of controversy be it Kurt Bush and domestic abuse his uh, his brother Kyle breaking bones in a crash in the uh, Xfinity formerly known as Nationwide Series uh, <laughs> the infield uh, or you know hitting the infield um,
1: uh, that, was, that was an odd one MP because that that particular piece of concrete wall was protected by three layers of of tyres when we were there for the Rolex 24 Daytona uh
7: I don't recall that part and I'm not saying that's inaccurate that i are saying I don't recall that but yeah it's, it's the same thing I've seen and I guess should speak up more about at you know at other ovals Fontana for example there are some areas where if you were to spin coming off of turn 1 and head make a hard left you could certainly hit some things that are uh, won't budge and uh, possibly produce you know similar type of uh, physical damage to a driver yeah it was bad um, I mean, obviously it's bad the guys busted up in the hospital and from it you have the nat what we i would say consider a natural expectation of if a guy's going to forfeit his health uh what are the improvements uh, that will stem from it don't tell me the guy's going to crash get torn up and no changes happen Thankfully, in the age of Twitter and instant response, uh, all the biggest names of the sports, from Jimmy Johnson on down, weighed in immediately on social media, applying great pressure. Why aren't there safer barriers ever everywhere, et cetera, et cetera? And uh, uh, Joey Chitwood, uh, uh, Daytona track president. Uh, responded immediately. They they put tires in place there and said that they would uh, effectively line the rest of the track with safer barriers. Uh, other tracks, or at least one other track, has chimed in saying they will do more of the same. So hopefully, it leads to some positive improvements not only in NASCAR but elsewhere. One other super quick note, Heindy is uh, it. It also highlights the fact that while there are you know in uh, a pr- there is a practical governance. Uh, in North America and I would imagine elsewhere on track safety and re- certain things that must be uh, checked off before races are held there's really no body there. we lack a body that actually flexes the uh, the power to make yeah. changes, to say no events will take place regardless of sanctioning body until these changes are made so that's still a glaring uh, glaring hole, but just back to the race quickly Heindy, it was a good race to me at least it wasn't great it was just maybe a sense of normal and uh, uh, we won't thing, delve, man. yeah, and we won't delve into the, the the TV coverage. I can tell you that there was one interesting article just before the race. Maybe you will give a little bit of context, saying that uh, commercials, the advertising during. The Daytona; those rates had gone up significantly, almost like uh, we have with the Super Bowl here. So, I think for those who complained about the frequency of advertisements, uh, I think uh, the NASCAR folks have realized, hey, there's some, uh, and the TV folks have realized there's some good money to be made here, uh, and saw that uh, that applied to the event more than ever.
1: MP, we're going to cut it off there. No time for IndyCar tonight. We'll do a bit of a catch-up next week on that. Uh, I know you've got lots to do on the LMP2 story. I heartily recommend racer.com and dailysportscar.com for loads more background and very good op-ed pieces on what we've been talking about tonight. For the moment, from racer.com, Marshall Pro. thanks very much indeed, mate. Thanks, Andy. And we'll have MP on next week. Uh, Just before 10 minutes to 10, we've got a lot to fit into the last 10 minutes, including, Nick, the first round of motorcycling this year. Uh, And It was at Phillip Island. It was. It was World Superbike, and it looked cold, uh, chilly, windy, but great racing in superbikes. Cold,
3: chilly and windy. Yeah. Who do you think did really well out of that? Fernando Alonso? No, no, what sort of, what sort of rider would do well a racing bigger a track that's cold, windy and unwelcoming? Uh, Brits. British, driver. that's <laughs> right. <laughs> because
1: both races were British one 2
3: threes. In I, fact, one,
1: two, three, four. I think, on the second one. I saw the first race pretty much as live. Couldn't manage to stay awake for the second one. Oh, I saw then, the second one on Eurosport yesterday. And then steadfastly missed the second one every time I tuned in to the, the highlights programme. Um, Sport was pretty good as well, but I thought World Superbike looked absolutely oh. fantastic. Yeah,
3: Leon Haslam and Johnny Race um, Haslam now in the Aprilia this year. Johnny Race still in the Kawasaki. Which uh, is,
1: despite some performance balancing, actually, mm-hmm. during the off-season, is still a rocket ship. That's just, just as well, brilliant.
3: The GP bike's not going very well. Hmm. Another story there. Uh, and they shared a winner piece. Both of them uh, clinched in the last lap and Chaz Davis uh, in the Recalcitrant Panagali got a brace of podiums, two thirds, which is really, and by that he was half a second back. He wasn't in any way no, out, no,
1: last And the racing was fantastic.
3: It was, and, and I think that the Ducati very pleased. That uh, Troy Bayliss making his return uh, got points in the first race and had a tyre go off in the second race. Didn't but, look
1: completely out of his depth, in fairness. No, I think
3: hopping on a bike at 46 years old, 45 years old. um, He's still very, very quick. And I'm sure if you gave him three or
1: four more races, he'd be right up at the front. Um, But yeah. The most amazing thing I've ever seen, and and you'll have to tell me about race two. um, The most amazing thing I saw in race one was Leon Haslam battling for the lead, coming out of the Southern Loop and down towards the Honda hairpin, missing his turn in by probably no more than six or eight inches, ending up at the sharp end of probably 150 miles an hour, on the grass and inches away from the gravel trap, managing to get it stopped in the Honda hairpin, and then fighting back and very nearly taking the win. Well, I mean, it was it, it, the second race. Well, it didn't have that uh, standout moment, but it was still a really and it was really just close. still the three guys battling three the Three guys battling
3: the whole way. They that um, one of the guys, I think, it was Vandermark. Van I think um, had a it was, it was up the front then. Th- then Jit back and through it but there was a but the three guys yeah i mean it was a, it was a really really very close race
1: um some very uh good rookie performances you mentioned van der mark um leon camia on the mv augusta must be talked uh, about that because that's uh, only recently
3: homologated
1: um and uh, Terrell, the i think he was the last ever 125 world champion wasn't he he's mm-hmm. on the ducati i thought he looked uh think I pretty mean, good think as well for
3: current world champion sylvain can obviously off the previous year onto the the honda now the honda's a good race bike but the firebait is getting a little bit long in the tooth um and uh, we are confidently expecting something new from honda next year of course we have new r1s um upgraded bmw's upgraded uh, pretty as a different uh, kawasaki this year in the road bike marketplace but um yeah it was very very good racing and um you know the thing is, the, 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 the problem they've got is they are lacking a couple of star names in there. Yeah, Markham melandry has been sucked out, and, and he's now being. I'm happy about being in in MotoGP, and there's a, there's more. I think there's more of a chasm in the in the riders now
1: between the two. However, big crowd as mm. ever. Um, I know it's on in the middle of the night here in the UK. Pictures looked fantastic. There's something about the light even at this time of year down in Australia that just makes those bikes look good they sounded good whatever the whoever's done the calculations on performance balancing during the winter I think it's pretty much got it de- decently sorted out tyre wear wasn't massively an issue for most people
3: no they had a couple of individual problems Troy about had an issue with his front but I think it was um, there was a bit of tyre wear I think on a couple of the bikes because they just weren't set properly or the way they were set was, was easing the tyres uh,
1: one big shunt that we should Mentioned for one of the Spanish riders. Yes. He... Penultimate corner went yes. off massively and had a very horrible looking accident that looked like he'd hurt his back. He actually fractured a finger quite badly. He was at the track. Uh, it was actually brought Super Bowl to an end, didn't it? Yes, he did. they, they pulled um, it off, yeah. And they lost the last four minutes. He was at the track on race day and heading back to Spain. And he thinks that after an operation, he'll be back um, for the next round at uh, Burinam. In
3: Thailand, yeah, I've never... Uh, this This is a track that's new to me. You you it, it roll off a the tongue there like you know where it is and you've been there or seen an event from it. But I can't remember an event from Burinam. We
1: talked about this track on Midweek Motorsport. Uh, Tim will remind me, but it's quite a long time ago now. This is the first big event, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. When it seems... I would think it was 18 months ago, maybe a couple of years ago, that we talked about this, Tim, when it was just a... Basically, um... <laughs> A bit of a dirt road that vaguely resembled what the trap might look like sometime in the future, mm. possibly. Yes. And Maybe. we all said, mm, "That might never happen." Well, it has. In the middle of nowhere. It's two hundred and fifty clicks from uh, Anywhere. Bangkok.
3: No, it's it's near Birmingham. Um,
1: Birmingham, <laughs> but, but
3: yeah, yeah. no, I I I must admit, I will definitely be. Setting, Is that a setting night race? The... No, no, it's uh um it's it's not the, Euro- the European kickoff times only eleven thirty and. Two, three thirty, aren't they? This is uh, going out. Starts at one and four thirty for the two races. Right. So they are running them a bit later, but they'll still. I think the UK time is like seven and nine, or six and six and nine in the morning. But I'm, I shall set my uh, my my
1: box. And I'm very interested in seeing what the uh, the track looks and like. new track looks like. Um, generally speaking, then, um, World Superbike gets racing. the international Great season under it. I thought it was fab.
3: I think I, I won't be very surprised. They manage to get two races as good again the rest of the season. But you never
1: know. Mm. Uh, and all the major manufacturers coming away with something to celebrate. Pretty much, I think at one stage, in fact, in qualifying, was it not five different manufacturers in the top five or something yeah, was, like that? Yeah,
3: Yeah. I mean, it was quite funny because I was watching it um, a bit blind. The first one, I hadn't hadn't seen the results. I didn't watch it live, and I thought, oh, that, that bike in third's going really well. Oh, it's got a single side swing on. What the heck that? Oh, it's Ducati.
1: It's doing well. Yeah. Well, I watched it um, in the early hours, obviously, of Sunday morning, and then tried to catch it again. I rode to London on my bike on Monday, and it's always bad to go out oh, on yes. your bike um, <laughs> after you've been watching bike racing.
3: Especially where it's warm, where they are, it's freezing where you are.
1: Yes, and at the very first roundabout, when I was trying to grind you do the pig, uh, the thought of a 300-kilo bike starting to move around was a bit interesting. Um so after that, I just turned the radio up and uh, turned the heated seat up a bit, and, and set the back. control huh? <laughs> uh, It wasn't traction control as much as just physics, <sighs> I think. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport coming up to five to ten. This time next week, we'll be getting ready for the first full edition of Andy Prio's 2015 uh, Racing Diary, brought to you by Hashtag IHG Racing and the IHG Rewards Club. It's not just hotels. If you missed Andy tonight, you'll be able to hear uh, our first little taster uh, of the Racing Diary for 2015 uh, on the podcast, which will be up as soon quick as is humanly possible. However, this time of night is reserved for the news that only we want to talk about. Tim (laughs) Greer, what do you have for us?
2: Uh, Not a pointless press release of the week.
1: Ah, really? Well, Uh.
2: you sent through our running order for... this evening, and instead mm-hmm. of writing PPOTW, which is pointless press releases mm-hmm. of the week, you oh. put uh, P-O-R-O-T-W, yes. which of course is uh, Price of Raisins of the Week.
1: Oh, right, yes. So uh,
2: they're no, 69p.
1: Tom. All right, that's very good. Uh, but very I do good. want to
2: talk about Yep. Uh, something that happened last Wednesday after we came off air. Uh, which is a meeting of a local authority in the Battersea area of London.
1: Battersea, yes. uh,
2: Which agreed that, actually, it uh, would allow Formula E to race in Battersea Park, Mm. but not with the track that they'd originally proposed.
1: Oh, really? So, major changes or just bits of twiddling?
2: It's got a horrible chicane in the only decent straight that it previously had.
1: It doesn't make any difference. They won't go flat now, then. They only do 100 (laughs) mile an hour. It's not that important.
7: It's very,
3: to, I didn't notice it's got a very convoluted pit lane in that you kind of go completely off the racetrack and trottle about the inside and come back out again. That's never because going
1: anywhere near where the pit should, the racetrack should be. That's because it's not a racetrack, Nick. It's a public park. Very few public parks have been designed well, with the Albert thought of
3: Crystal, Crystal Palace.
1: <sighs> yes, he says with his wobbly head on. So that's mm. two
2: we've come up with.
1: What was the other one you said? Albert Park. Yeah,
3: that's not in there. the UK, though, And whatever it? the park where uh, Montreal is.
1: Yeah. The Ile de Gilles
3: Yes, that's a park.
1: <sighs> <laughs> it wasn't designed with the, the thought Model of putting that? a race. That's in a park. <laughs> that one I'll give you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but this but
3: is... Then again, don't forget, it's, 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 they, they, the pits be less important in 2020 when they finally get down to one car a race.
1: Yeah, well, maybe they'll use some of the old P2 see, chassis that, that are left over. those
3: proposals? By season six, they'll be able to use one car race.
2: They've appointed the uh,
1: companies do, that were that allowed that to... Be... Sorry, sorry, Tim, just just to, to, to say on what Nick was saying there. If they can do that, that would be pretty impressive improvement of range. They could do it now, they designed the cars properly. Well, you could do it now if they were all in Tesla Model S's. Like, yeah. they and could, you'd be a lot um, more comfortable and could, quicker.
2: They could do it now, uh, probably with the cars that they've got, because a lot of them are going uh, well over um, half distance, half distance probably a... 60 to 65%. They'd need another the
3: half again battery, rip out the pointless power
1: slapping gearbox. Um, and make a few Is that the changes. brand name of it, pointless power sapping? Yeah, you it's... can imagine that they don't get a lot of people knocking on their door. It, saying... is the,
3: it is the most basic thing about electric motors is you don't need a gearbox. And drop if you gear. did need a gearbox, all you need is a centrifugal two-speed box, which takes nothing. Or a drop gear. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But we know why it's there. But if they got rid of that, fifty percent more power... Um, in the battery they do it no problem at all but they've they've welded themselves not literally um, ARC welded themselves to the battery for another year or year and a half battery supply they're allowing as Tim said some technical freedom they give it to Renault and five of the teams haven't they is that right Tim I
2: I think eight uh, organisations have been given licences to produce uh, power units
3: but they are all existing teams aren't they
4: yes
1: but they're all stuck with the battery for a couple of years are they
3: yeah, because it's uh, that particular part is the Williams engineering part, and that's been that's a, a, a supplied part for two years. The um,
2: teams, the, the uh, organisations uh, who are allowed to make their own power units are ABD, Andretti, howdy. Mahindra, Motormatica, uh, Nextev, uh, Renault, Venturi, and Virgin Engineering.
1: Um, just a, a quick point on this, and, and it will be a very quick point, but reading through racer.com, um, as I was earlier today, there is a parallel between um, common parts in Formula E and what's been proposed for the back of the Formula 1 grid with what's, what's been called a core car. What's been suggested by the teams at the back who want to try and save some
3: money is they're saying that they should be there should be a core element of the car which is uh, across Including everyone. a monocoque. Basically, it's the monocoque and... This, and which is very expensive bits to make up and the crash structures and everything else. Which goes with the fact that obviously you can now buy an engine and gearbox, so you would effectively have the, I suppose the entire torpedo shape in the middle would be supplied, and you'd then hang um, probably the only bespoke parts would be the bodywork and the front suspension, because even the rear suspension, I think, now is, is allowed to be provided by the gearbox manufacturer.
4: Hmm.
1: Uh, we have had a plethora of parks including Aberdare and how they ever raced around there I have no idea I've been there and seen it um, Bayside Park Miami ran, ran IMS in the 80s and will run Formula E next month uh, a number of people seeing that and MSVR have been the uh, appointed as the organising club for Formula yes. E my, my they, thanks they've to, got two
2: parks of their own of course
1: uh, my <laughs> thanks yes of course not real, pox, though. Um, my thanks to Nick Damon, to Tim Gray, to the responsible adult Eve Hewitt, uh, and to Andy Prio, as well as uh, to the staff at iZone for today. Graham Goodwin and Marshall Pro joining us as well. Thank you for listening. Is Keep the conversation. You've Sorry?
2: It says something we've forgotten to do.
1: Yes, where are you? Oh, yes, your last thing. Come on, quickly. Nobody's got it. Not
2: yet, no. Uh, okay, final clue. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not an island, and although I only saw one cat, it did have a tail. Ah, oh. so it's
3: like the Isle of Man.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. it Did have a tail because so it's so not, it's a not man. the
2: Island Man. Yeah. Yes. And, and I said it's not an island.
1: Not. No. So the Cabana boys don't look like anything like Jonathan Palmer. He got yeah. an awful lot of I H G. Well, Jonathan Palmer, uh, Johnny Palmer. <laughs> well, it's his name. He's Jonathan.
4: He's just now um, a um, doctor. The...
1: He yeah. um, <laughs> might be. Uh, he got He's a lot not. of IHG Reward Club points whilst he was there. And although it's not an island, he did see a cat, but it had a tail. Uh, nobody's got it tonight, so we'll leave that open and we'll find out where Tim was uh, next week at 8 o'clock for another edition of Midweek Motorsport. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you then. Keep the conversation going on Twitter, at Specutainment, at Radio Le Mans, and, of course, on the Midweek Motorsport listeners collective, both on the website, RadioLe and on Facebook. Uh, there's no time to explain. Uh, the llama, oh, is going to a single hoof formula.
0: <laughs>